Hey guys, excited to have you here for this episode with Arnold Mint. But first, I want to tell you that Tuesday, November the 8th is election day. It is vital that you get out there and vote. No matter who you're voting for, get out there. It is your right as an American, as a human being, to get out and vote. So my ask of you is to make a plan. Request off, get a shift covered, ask your manager, can I have the middle of the day, whenever it might be, but make a plan to go vote. If you're a manager, make this a lineup topic that your people go out and vote. It is more important than ever right now, especially in these midterm elections, that you cast your vote. It is vital. So that is my ask of you on this Monday is to let everybody know and for you yourself to get out there on Tuesday, November the 8th and vote. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am joined today with Caroline Galzen. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing really, really well. Excited to put this interview out there. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Yes, absolutely. Arnold Mint uh, was on Top Chef. I, he's... I mean, he's he's just I me. Mean, he has international market over on Belmont, and um, and what just an interesting guy. Nashville icon. Nashville icon. I would, for I would sure. definitely for sure. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Oh my gosh, I just feel like this entire month has been a whirlwind, and it's only begun. And it's only begun. Yeah, <laughs> I, maybe I feel maybe it's better to say this entire year has been a whirlwind. Is it really? almost Christmas. Am I really panicking because I feel like it's so close to Christmas and I haven't even begun to do half the things that I need to do. So I'm already on um, Christmas decoration watch. Oh, same. Because not, I'll tell you what, the, I, I get anxiety every year because I am a massive Christmas decorator. Okay. So I have lots of really big trees in my front yard. You've been to my house. I have yeah. Large mature trees. And I'm going to wrap one of these huge cedar trees with lights, okay, like a um, like a Christmas tree. Sure, fun. And I'm like renting a, like a scissor, like a lift. To oh, do, wow. it. do you do this every year? No, this is the first year. But every year, I mean, I have a whole storage shed full of stuff. Okay, like my yard. We have new friends down the street, like four houses down. And he was like, "Dude, so nice to meet you." Because like somebody on our street like brings their Christmas game strong, and I'm like, "Yeah." Well, he's like, "So I up mine this year too," and. Like, it's a whole thing, like my Christmas decorations, but okay. I get anxiety around Halloween. Like, okay. I have oh, to, it's getting too late. It's getting, well, no, it's, it's, it's the actual process of doing it. So I start, when I say I'm on Christmas decoration watch, I'm waiting for a 70 degree Saturday. Got it. I need to be like a nice weekend day. And you need I to can, be prepared. You need to be ready to jump into action. Yes, I Got need it. to have it ready. So like I'm watching the weather. I'm waiting for that time. Like I usually put it mid-October, but it was always like a day after Thanksgiving thing. But now I just look for the good day. Okay. Because day after Thanksgiving, it could be 25 degrees. Well, the day after Thanksgiving is when we decorate Nikki's for St. Nikki's. That's so, right. You guys do St. Nikki's. Yeah, we're doing a big Christmas pop-up again this year, St. Nikki's. Um, and last year 
we decided that we were going to decorate on Thanksgiving. And it was really just me and Tony and like two employees. And it was, oh yeah, it was too much. It was too much. And Tony and I were bummed because we didn't get to enjoy Thanksgiving because we were at the restaurant legitimately for 12 hours decorating. You know, I spend 12 hours every year at the restaurant on Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. do, doing what? Do you guys do a Thanksgiving service? Yeah, it's the, busy, oh, it's the busiest wow. day of the year at Maribel. Sure. We do, sure. I think we do like 1,100 guests that day. Oh, maybe I'll come to Maribel for Thanksgiving. If you want to. Is you it want... too late to get my reso in? I don't think so. My dad's coming in town. I mean, and... it's pretty full, but I mean, I can, we still have spots available. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make well, that happen. Plug for Nikki's, plug for Maribel's. Yeah, why not? Come hey, you on know, I don't the holidays, typically guys. <laughs> do that, but we're actually changing the name. So our big day, we're closed on Black Friday at Maribel. We do okay. a huge day on Thanksgiving and then Black Friday we're closed and we decorate the yeah. entire place. Yeah, so Similar that's what, yeah, that's what we figured out. You got to um, do that. So we we close on Black Friday, but we're reopening on Saturday as Mary Bowls. Oh wow. It's not gonna be yes. Mary Bowls. It's gonna be kinda of like you do St. Nicky's. We're mm -hmm. now M E R R Y instead Perfect. of M E R E. So we're gonna be Mary Bowls, the whole a Brentwood holiday and you guys tradition. Do great Christmas decorations. I have been there for the holidays before and it's it's, legit. it's festive. It is festive. We're gonna have Santa Claus. Oh my, okay. my next door neighbor like does professional Santa Claus stuff. Okay. He's going to be there on the weekends. He's going to be there for holiday parties. Oh, we're going wow. to actually convert a room for people to come and see Santa Claus in oh the building. Oh my God. Love it. We're going to have a step and repeat. With that, Santa? Well, there's going to be a step and repeat, which is like the big backdrop that's going to say Mary Bowles 2022. Cute. So every year you can come and take pictures for the Love family, it. the whole thing, like celebrate the holidays at Mary And it Bowles. becomes part of people's holiday tradition. That's the goal. Love it. It is already. Like so many people book Thanksgiving years in advance because that's oh, really? what they do. Oh, wow. It's ama It was amazing to me how many people go out to eat on Thanksgiving. I know that is that is surprising to me as well. You Although I feel like in recent years, I have become one of those people after thinking it was strange for a long time. Well, it, you know what? Logically, you think about it and you're like, okay, so why would you like, so you can just show up here and you have a full Thanksgiving dinner right. and then you get to go home. Right. There's no grinding a turkey there's right. no cooking all day long there's no cleanup totally so you get to watch football all day and then everybody hops in the car you go have this wonderful feast right then you go back home to more football and nobody cleans well it's just become such a hectic time of year that i'm like oh god it's just one more thing to do it's a whole it, it is a growing thing in every and everybody that comes in it's the best day too because everybody's grateful and they're oh, sure. kind sure it's like the really busy day but everybody's yeah. like so it's like the opposite of the sunday crowd okay well see that's good to know because i would think that people coming in on thanksgiving would be crabby because they're with their family members that they don't want to be with no I mean, uh, everybody seems to be super kind well, that's so nice they're, well good the, and maybe they're grateful that like gratitude. you're working on a yeah holiday. i mean they do you have a hard time getting people to work or do people want to work because they a know it's a it's money a, shift it's a prerequisite got it it's in the interview process we let people know like there's a couple days expect New Year's to Eve, work on. thanksgiving sure. day it's an all hands on deck day sure. every manager every person works and then do you always get a couple people who are like "Ooh, forgot i mean there's all no they don't forget but i mean there's always people there's always extending circumstances sure somebody's like hey my grandmother just passed away sure. and it's our first thanksgiving without grandma and she cooks and my mom's cooking the food and it's really a big deal and you're sure. like okay well, sure. it's, it's it's not even a matter of like okay i mean like that's fine but really this is the day that you solidify your team sure it's one of those days if you work in an environment like we work in 
feel like you want to be there because this is the day that it's kind of like your other family. Yeah. And everybody's working on Thanksgiving together and we yeah, do sure. like a whole family meal kind of a thing. But like this is the day where you put up or shut up kind right. of a thing. And if you miss it, you kind of let your team down. Sure. You know, so it's not, it's like if you need to miss it, I'm okay well, with that. Well, I mean, that. it sounds like you guys have created great culture that that's the vibe. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it's, it's almost like it places itself because it's like, hey, look, I want to be part of this with sure. all of you. And so it's a celebration for everybody together. Also, it's not just a get here and do your fucking job kind of a thing. Sure. It's like a, we get it. We get that it's Teamwork. Thanksgiving. It's a team day. It's yeah. a day we all come together. It's busy and it doesn't stop. Like well, it and is sometimes things day. like that, when you work in the restaurant industry, do become part of your holiday tradition. The restaurant that Tony and I met working out in Chicago, MK, uh, their biggest day of the year was Christmas Eve. And every kind of the same thing. Everybody had to work on Christmas Eve. You knew you were going to work and it became kind of like a fun team day. So when we yeah. would get in, all of the managers would serve family meal to all of the employees as kind of like a thank you for being here. And it just became for years, part of our Christmas Eve tradition was that we work and we're going to be with our friends and our team. And Tony and I actually wound up getting engaged after service on Christmas Eve. No kidding. Yeah. So that kind of became, has, you know, incorporated itself into our Christmas Eve tradition. So. Well, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Well, so we have an episode today with Arnold Mint. We too. Nothing to do with Christmas necessarily. Well, we'll... We may talk about it. We might. We may talk about what he's doing for Christmas. That's right. I don't know if he celebrates Christmas. Tis the season. Or if it's a whatever holiday people celebrate. Um, stay tuned after the show, and we're going to uh, we're going to talk about more stuff. More stuff. Probably like this. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're always just going to be talking like this. Yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, enjoy this episode with Arnold Mient. Super excited today to welcome into National Restaurant Radio. We have Arnold Mint, who is the owner of the International Market. Welcome to National Restaurant Radio. Thank you. Hey, I'm Arnold. here. We made it happen. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is a long time coming yeah. here. Uh, I messaged you in April, maybe May of 2020. Okay. I had done like 10 episodes and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> He's busy. Well, I mean, this was a long time ago, and I was right in the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, I would love to get your take on this thing. And you were like, dude, sure. Mm -hmm. I'm in Joshua Tree. Yeah. And I'm not here. And I was like, that's great. And, but it just, you were doing all kinds of stuff, yeah. and we've checked back in, and you're a busy guy. Yeah, I was in Joshua Tree uh, hiding. Um, I have a house in Palm Springs that my business partner took over during the pandemic. So then I had to find a place to live close by, I guess. And so I moved into Joshua Tree and then the whole country shut down, the world shut down, and the landlord was like, "Live here for free for the summer." And I'm like, "Okay." Amazing. <laughs> so you were there before the pandemic. Right? I went in because of the pandemic. Um just to go like to take a weekend in my house in Palm Springs and then all of a sudden we couldn't do anything and I literally was like the only person, me and my friend were the only ones living in Joshua Tree. It was crazy. It was awesome. It was what really did you cool. do while you were there? Um, I started my social media. I that's at that time I had a whole seven hundred followers on Instagram, I think, and then I took it to like eighty k. How did you do that? Um, cooking a lot, being stupid, and getting noticed on it, and then it slowly one morning it just clicked and it just started building and building. And then at the time, BuzzFeed 
Tasty was doing a lot of content. They didn't, they didn't have studios. The studios were closed. So I noticed that people were doing stuff from home and I reached out and I was like, hey, do you want to buy my content? They started publishing my content consistently. And so that was like every day, it was like 2,000 more, 5,000 more, 10,000 more, you know? And I was getting like- That's awesome. It went from like 700 views to like 4 million views. And so my standard now was like, if I don't hit a million in the first hour, I suck, you know? Um, so like it literally kind of built that way just by getting their, garnering their following- and then just kind of, that's what I did. I mean, I hiked every day, which I never did. So I kind of lost weight. Um, but I literally had the entire, an entire mountain to myself. And I would like shoot on top of a mountain, take my kits and my one, I'd one, my one burner and make dishes on top of a hill and just go crazy out there. That's incredible. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. So what was your, what were, what did you think you were going to be doing before the pandemic hit? What was the plan that you had that uh, got um, interrupted by this wonderful experience? Yeah, I um, have been out in California for a while. I don't know if you know a little bit about my past, but I mean, I was born in the restaurant business here yeah. and I did some like Hollywood dream stuff for television and I had just finished a cycle of Food Network Star, which got me to Los Angeles. Um I had an apartment that was doing pop-ups downtown LA and I was just working with auditioning and getting shows going. So I thought I would be in a show. Yeah. Um, I thought I was out there for a reason. I was also teaching culinary school in Pasadena oh, awesome. okay. to pass the time. So my, my school in New York opened a LA campus and I was one of the professors teaching culinary. Um, and during that time, you know, my mom had just passed and all that stuff. So we're trying to start trying to figure things out. So in a way the pandemic was a nice break from everything, from all the madness, we could actually stop and breathe for a second. I think yes. we had just decided to close PM, um, mainly because we were like, let's not be a sob story and just tap out on top. Yeah. yeah. And so we did. And um, we were just basically using the, that time to kind of plan our next move, which is international market. Point two point oh, right? Yeah. So we basically were like living and just trying to still try to lock down that TV deal. And then the world shut down. Mm. So, but that's okay because things are really good now. Sometimes things work out. Oh, totally. totally. Yeah. I love that perspective though. Just kind of looking back on it, thinking what uh, this, these are what my expectations were, but then the idea of I kind of needed a break. Yeah. And I think everybody needs it. We call them clarity breaks, but like you need a break to like yeah. take a moment and go, let me reassess. Mm -hmm. Let me see where I'm which, at. Which I mean, I need, you know this, you don't get a, you don't know what a break means. 100%. You know, like, like what is a break? As soon as I'm laying down, when you think you have eight hours to rest, your brain thinks about your next concept. <laughs> While he's talking about breaks, we're going to take our first break. That's a quick one to hear from our sponsors. I just shared in our stories how the compost company is just taken off and so many people are composting their food waste. We want to thank you for that. And we also want to talk about Just Glass. Justice Industries is a company, it's a nonprofit that helps employ people who are somewhat unemployable. If you're, you know, if you've had some downtrodden times in your life, this is the place that's going to hire you. And their biggest company that they do is called Just Glass. What they do is they recycle your glass and they come pick it up. All this used glass that you have that you're throwing into dumpsters. They will come pick it up and take it away. Here's, here's what you need to do. You need to go check out justiceindustries.org. On there, you can learn everything about Just Glass. And then when you want to learn how to get it set up, you need to email Ellen Peterson. Her email is ellen at justiceindustries.org. Do it now. 
another company that you need to be checking into if you're looking at hiring right now and hiring is expensive no matter where you are is the industry professionals at Poached Hospitality Jobs. Poached is the number one job site for hospitality workers and you can post right now on Poached for free. Here's how you do it. You go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com. You click the link on the sponsors page. You go to the sponsors page, find the Poached ad, click the link right there. And then when it asks you for a promo code, type in Nashville Restaurant Radio. You're going to get your post for free. Guys, there's no gimmick here. If you want to post, if you need to hire professionals in industry, you need a manager, you need a host, you need a server, you need bartenders, Poached Jobs is where it's at. Go visit us at NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the Sponsors tab. Again, click the Poached. Your promo code is Nashville Restaurant Radio. Happy hiring. You know this. You don't get up. You don't know what a break means. One hundred percent. You know, like, like, what is a break? As soon as I'm laying down, when you think you have eight hours to rest, your brain thinks about your next concept. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you're yes. honestly like, you're not stopping. And so, for me, I was forced to break, and I was forced to really reevaluate what I was doing. Um, I had a cookbook deal, which I still have, which I didn't realize takes so long to write a cookbook, but it takes forever when you're doing it the necessary ways, right? So I had this book deal and I had this really lofty, bougie, in very much of the breath of Arnold Mint's vision of like, I want a coffee table book that's untouchable and eccentric. And after the pandemic, I was like, no, I need a book that people can cook with and like want to eat and make. So like this like golden Brussels sprout in the centerfold is no longer, it's now like a how-to cookbook. But I had to take the time to step back and realize not everybody's as pretentious or bougie as you, like calm down, you know? And so like, like really like they but might want to- why do you have to do that? Why, who gives a shit? About what? If you have to realize well, everybody's bougie as you, so calm down. No, I leaned into more discovering the other side of me, meaning I could actually be domestic and make things that people want to do. Okay. You know, so like instead of being aspirational, I can be inspirational and actually make people like want to cook with me as opposed to like roll their eyes and be like, there he is again doing something oh crazy, gosh. you know? So, so now it, it, it took the time also to be like, wow, all these recipes that I'm putting out on social media are actually the new the segue to my cookbook. This is what people want. That's what they're receptive to. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it taught me a lot. And literally it took the pandemic for me to realize that that breath was so important. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. where do you think that that kind of like bougie side came from? Have you always <laughs> been like that? I think so. I think, you know, my family has really worked hard for us to not to struggle. Yeah. Uh, my mom and dad were always like, you know, my dad came here as a professor from poverty, my mom came from nothing, and they were like, our children are never gonna suffer or experience what, or we'll always experience what we never got to. And I think we took that kind of, or I did, I took it the wrong direction. I was a punk growing up, I partied hard, I was a rebel. Um, you know, I was in the industry, like money just came, like it just was there. Like I just like, my mom would always say, be like, you know, do you know how many egg rolls mom has to make for you to buy that? And I'm like, I know exactly how much, 2,600, you know, <laughs> like, like, like give me the jacket, you know, that kind of shit. So, um, but I also, you know, but I live this very like eccentric, like bubbled life um, because of them. And it also afforded me to travel the world and see things. But yeah. um, the humbling part of that is that luckily I, I came out of the, I, the bubble burst and I can see where it got me and where I, where I was. And it's not necessarily good or bad. And I'm not like, you know, it's just the reality that I had, you know? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in this industry too, we spend so much time taking care of other people that I know mm -hmm. for me personally, when I go out, that same bougie side comes out of me. Like, Oh, I really want to treat myself. Like mm -hmm. I really want someone to take care of me the mm -hmm. way that I'm always taking care of other yeah. people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like spoiling my friends. 
So it's like it's the spirit yeah. of service. You yeah. have that, you have that in you. Where you're you're a visionary. I can tell yeah. this on the front end. Where do you get because you have a level of confidence? I mean, so far since we've been talking, you said I just wanted to build my Instagram followers, so I did it, and then I wanted to do this, <laughs> so I did it. But like, there's 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 a psychology behind that. Uh. Like, where did this come? Were you always this like a go getter? Like, and you said. When you take a break, you can't take a break because while you have eight hours, I'm thinking about what's happening in one week, two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, a year down the road. Yeah. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a level of confidence now. Like, I can do these things. Were you always that confident? Do you think confidence? Um, as, do you think confidence comes from insecurity? I mean, the the I mean, in a way, because for what what I present is definitely you know, if you peel the layers or peel the layers of the onion back, there's definitely an insecurity that that kind of is hidden through this little security blanket called airs like putting on airs right yeah, yeah so my confidence comes through me trying to prove myself not just to myself but like in the industry you know um my dad being a scholar my mom being super successful i never finished college i am un under my dad's my mom's shadow right so like i'm trying to prove myself and prove my worth every day by hustling working hard harder and doing more to justify my presence and what I'm doing. Yeah, there's successes in that process, but um, it's never enough because I just need to make sure that I'm always pushing to just to be better. You, you know? I didn't ask myself it's this so, question. It's so, it's so psychological. I mean, it's so like, if you, if you peel, if you, you know, it's yeah, like- no, I'm the same way. I have the happiest people that smile on camera aren't necessarily the happiest people behind, behind the scenes. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. We just talked about this in kind of an outro we did for another episode. Like I have an older brother and I, I love him to death, but he's six foot eight, three fifteen, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's a monster. Yeah. He's huge. Dude. And Justin, I'm sorry for saying your weight. I don't know. He could, he could weigh less than I mean, that. I'm like five. I feel like I'm three sixteen at five, six. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he's two and a half years older than me. Mm -hmm. So he was always bigger, faster, and stronger mm -hmm. than me. And we were very hyper-competitive. Mm -hmm. And I was never as good as him. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly was competing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, to this day, like, I'm never okay with, like, my self-talk is not good. You may hear me on the podcast and be like, that guy knows what he's talking. He's confident. He knows yeah. this. But, like, at the same point, I finish, and I'm like, I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do better. And I'm constantly, I'm never just able to sit down and say, Hey man, that was good enough. Like yeah. that was really good. Like yeah. stop for a second mm -hmm. and hear that. Do you ever get that moment where you get to just stop and go, Hey, that was a really good thing I did. I'm going to just in stop for a minute and enjoy it. No, I, I definitely enjoy the successes that come through these opportunities. I just don't want to miss an opportunity. Okay. Right. Yeah. So sorry. My phone is like, people must know that I'm here. They're like, let us in. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think, I think that, you know, Yes, I, I appreciate everything that happens, but I also know that it comes from hard work and I don't want it to disappear. So that's why the hustle is, like I said, when you have yeah. five, eight, eight hours, you're thinking about the next move because let's say I'm doing this today, this can't be the last one. No. Right. You know what I mean? I, 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 there's no way. The momentum's too good. So I'm always thinking about the next one, the next one, the next one. Um, but I definitely appreciate every opportunity that I have that's come because I know it comes from hard work. It comes from the hustle, you know? Um, so... And you can't get and you can't get your foot in the door if you don't hustle right. these no. days. There's no way. There's so many people that are good out there, and even ones that aren't good are good. Right. You know, like you gotta one, always be hungry. Yeah, you have to be hungry. No pun intended in this industry, <laughs> but you have to be hungry. Uh, you have just a, an energy. I love it. Like it's just I love yeah. the energy that you're bringing into the yeah. room right now. Thanks. I mean, it's just a there's a positivity, but there's like a frenetic like 
I'm doing it, man. Yeah. I'm doing this yeah. every day. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. There's just a lot of opportunity in this industry now that wasn't that wasn't set before that we had. I mean, my like, I don't think back in the day anybody wanted their child to become a chef. Right. You know, there was definitely, especially in my Asian background, it was like, you play an instrument, you become a doctor, maybe a lawyer, but that's a little bit too smart. Like, let's be, let's be a doctor instead. Then that was it. And now they're like, oh, my uncle, who's a big name dropper and status person, he's like, my, my nephew, he's a chef. Like, not wow. a cook, like a chef, you know? And there's a status that the stigma wasn't the same in the past, you know? And now, now there's opportunity to really flourish in this industry. But because of that, there's so many facets of our profession that are you a chef or are you a cook? Are you a personality or are you a chef? Like, do you really actually lead a kitchen? Like, right. like the things that I aspire to have, half these people have never even had to balance a checkbook on ordering before, you know, like things yeah. like that. So it's like, where do we all stand? And it, and there's a there's a place for all of us. And I'm still, and I'm lucky to be able to tap into many facets of it, of the industry, that I don't want to be complacent in one part of it, if that makes any sense. It does. You where know? do you think the state of the industry is right now? You just mentioned where we're at right now. Like, where yeah. do you, and this is the question that, I stole your question. No, go for it. She was like, I want to find out. I want to see what he thinks. Yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about yeah. so much. I don't know if you saw an article that came out recently in the Nashville Business Journal about Lower Broadway and kind of like what happened mm -hmm. to Nashville yeah. and yeah. Well, you know all of that. And, and something that's so interesting to me is kind of you have seen the Nashville mm -hmm. restaurant industry from day one. Mm -hmm. um, so not only where how we've grown to get to this point, but is the future sustainable for independent restaurants in Nashville? What What's your take on that? Because I, I worry, honestly. Yeah, I don't know if necessarily Nashville will ever be, be the magic that it was once before. Yeah. But that's the same in entertainment. I mean, don't you miss the gritty country vibe that we had before sure. and how polished and beautiful it is now? Yeah. You know, it's like there's, the there's- Glass buildings. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just something about that we've really we've really tapped into our the tourism sure. of it all and the- um. The generalization of what it is, I, I feel for the food industry here because, like you said, I was raised in a time where there was about five chefs in town, you know, and um, I feel like it's weird to say that, like, I, speaking to my sister earlier today, I heard my mother coming out of my mouth, mm -hmm. talking to her. She's like, she's younger than me and we're in this together and she's not part of the industry, but she is now. So, like, I'm slowly kind of helping her get to where things need to be and us both learning together to work together. Sure. But I was like, wow, I sound like mom right now. Like, this is totally crazy. But um, the industry in Nashville, for me, is never going to go back to where it was. But I think the consumer in Nashville is savvy enough to support what still can hold on. Sure. If that makes any sense. Because we can always go to the shiny new thing, which I try not to do anymore. I just hope that that, I hope that moment of time in the months that the new restaurant opens up, people don't forget about the ones that are still standing around, you know, because it's really hard for us as independent restaurant owners and, and local chefs and people that were from are from here to see people not only move in and scoop up all our accolades and all of our press, but also take dollars from our business on a daily. And we can't keep up. There's no way. I mean, we're talking today. I need to, I need a, I need what we call a maitre d' not just a high school girl being a hostess and an expo at this point. This is our conversations literally before I got here. And my sister's like, we don't have that money. And I'm like, Taco Bell pays their manager 200 K. Like right. she's like, yeah, like we don't have that to invest. How can we do this? And I'm like, well, I went to bed last night at 5 PM exhausted until, to, until now for the first time ever, I crashed hard because I mentally spent on how to pull this off. Right. We're blessed to be busy. We have a great product, but we don't have a huge Rolodex of, of, help one 
because they're all going to the hotels and getting, getting going for benefits. Two, the talent pool's low because they're all – they went from frying at my restaurant to being head chef at a hotel, you know. Well, and, I, I think we lost a lot of the really good talent during the pandemic. I think people had this time off and they went, hey, look, I want to be a real estate agent. The people that <laughs> – Everybody the pe- wants to be – Right. That's well, the number one job here is real estate. There's a bunch of multi – if you're really talented in this industry and you have mm-hmm. good people skills, there's a lot of other careers you could potentially do. But when you're in the grind of it – it's too, I don't, I, a lot of people are paid. I can't spend a month and go learn how to do this. Well, God, everybody had six months and the government yeah. paid them while they did it. And I'm going to go find a different career. I think we yeah. lost a lot of the really talented people that could do a lot of other things that can lead have went to other well, industries. If they want to move on, I can't force them to have to cook for me at their local restaurant. That's, that's on them. I can go over to the house for a nice meal. It's the ones that are, that are still trying to push through and still keep up with the Joneses, which are in huge new Oh, floor huge. to ceiling glass complexes right. with debts they'll never pay off on a salary that we make making pizza. Right. You know, like yeah. if there's 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 no there's no comparison. Literally, back to how many egg rolls does mommy have to make? My mom sold egg rolls for a dollar a piece. That's a fuck ton of egg rolls. That is a fuck ton to of pay to pay off the bill, even to reopen our restaurant as a tribute to her. You yeah. know, so like that's the that's the main that's the main thing that I see in terms of Nashville. We will be able to recruit recoup. Or rebuild or have what we had before. I don't know if that's going to ever happen. I think that, you know, we really have to depend on nostalgia to keep us alive. (laughs) If that makes it and educating people like we have when we close the restaurant international market. The kids that were at Belmont were freshmen. Now they're seniors and they're seeing it for the first time. So they don't even know the history of international market. You so we're to even retell the story. You, we have to retell it every day. Yeah. You know, and then when they hear it and they like it, one, they like it now because of what it is. But then they also are like, wow, that's a really cool story, you know, but we lost a whole four years of people. We lost a whole generation of my mom feeding for 40 plus years because of everything. Graduated. Yeah. But, but the community is, is dense, though. The community has got to be supporting you really well, I assume. I, I think we're in a good pl- a good location spot and a good time to, to, to do with this um, because, like we said, people are kind of like they like the new shiny thing. But how many times can you go to Yolan for dinner? Sure, it's definitely a special it's, occasion. You know, place. and ours is still this like we're giving this stellar food in a casual environment right. where you want to go every other day or right. you can go every other day. Well, that's our business you know? model at Greenhouse Grill and Maribel. Yeah, I mean that's what we do. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we don't cater to tourists. Mm-hmm. We're the people that. Same. We we, yeah. we cater to people that are going to eat here two to three times a week, and we remember their names. Mm-hmm. And I have a mater D, and then my number one thing is I want you to know every every person's name when they walk in the door. And she's like, "Hi, did you have a reservation?" You want to say, "Hey, buddy, good to see you." Mm-hmm. One of our regulars' name is Buddy, and it's like you know, <laughs> I want you to use his name when he walks in the door. Sure. It's very intentional. It's hard to find people that can focus that are really good at that. Yeah. See, yeah. something that I think is really interesting that, that you made me realize that I think is true of all of us here is I feel like all three of us are from a restaurant era that's kind of straddling a line. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that we're using the word mater d, nobody, nobody that is in our age, yeah. that even know, I know exactly what you mean when you say I need a mater d. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I were to say that to a 30-year-old or a 25-year-old working in the restaurant industry, they don't know exactly what that means. They think that just means a host, somebody right. that seats people. Well, they got to wear a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Or, you know, a, a French waiter with the tray. And I think that we kind of in this generation live in a very interesting world where you especially, where you grew up in this restaurant world that 
at one time had a stigma attached to it mm-hmm. where, you know, oh, a waiter is just a thing you do to get through college. Right. Or if you're cooking, that's just because, you know, it's just unskilled labor, mm-hmm. something like that. And then all of a sudden the celebrity chef culture comes around, Food mm-hmm. Network's popular, all of this. And there's been some great transitions in the culture of restaurants because yes. of that. There's mm-hmm. so much more respect and admiration for what we do. Mm-hmm. But also with that comes these other changes mm-hmm. of, oh, customers have different expectations. Mm-hmm. Employees have different expectations mm-hmm. about what this world is. So wow. how has that been for you to be such a part of that kind of, hey, I know the old school yeah. of how it used to be, but now I'm also transitioning into this world of celebrity chef culture. Man, I wish you were on the phone conversation. I was with my, with my sister in the car. We literally had an hour. I was sitting in the parking lot talking to her about this. You know, Where is she? Let's get her no, in No, she's at home. I was, um, it, was more, it was more about, you know, can you do a training session with our front of house to let them know exactly what you want? And I'm like, yes, but what I want isn't something I can teach. What I want is something you have that's intuition from being in the industry. You know, it's like, yes, you, you stop, you stacked the staff when you were out of town. That's great. But they didn't know what they were doing. Right. So I, I left the kitchen to expo, to go host, to go pour wine while people were waiting for tables, while I was waiting for the servers to catch up, while I was taking orders for the tables that haven't been touched. And you make while it look I, effortless. And I went to go cook. You know, and then I turned the music down or up or change the station because Beastie Boys was on and I forgot, you know, like it was like, <laughs> you know, and that's great. They, they're on all the time. But, you know, but, you know, it was, it was a whole the whole groove of the restaurant had wasn't just by stations and, pe- and warm bodies, you know, so. Um, we are supported by Robin's Insurance, offering protection you can trust. Robbins Insurance is an independent insurance agency known across the Southeast for their customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. They're also known here at Nashville Restaurant Radio for protecting some of Music City's best restaurants. Look, when it comes to insuring your restaurant or bar, you don't want to leave the job to some strip mall insurance agency with no background in hospitality and expertise in the local market. You need someone who knows the industry, who understands your business who will create a policy that protects your physical space and protects you and your staff too. Y'all, Matthew Clements is that guy. He's the agent at Robbins Insurance for the hospitality industry. With extensive industry experience himself, Matthew has the knowledge to create a policy that'll protect you and your business no matter what comes your way. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-I-N-S.com to get in touch with him. Or reach out to Matthew directly at 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robbins. We absolutely love partnering with Sharpier's Bakery. Aaron Moso has been selling bread, fresh baked bread, to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years. Yes, her father started the company 36 years ago and Aaron took it over uh, five years ago, and it is doing amazing things. I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpies. They save me so much time, and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've we got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes. They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specialty loaf breads and regular loaf breads and bullies. Bullies? B-O-U-L-E-S? Sourdough, Long Tuscan, Wheat, Multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at sharpies.com. That is sharpies, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or 
you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpie's Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. I think one of the most overlooked things that you can do on a P&L, which is your profit and loss statement, is dish machine and chemicals. It's just one of those things you don't focus on until it's too late. Let Jason Ellis from Supersource come in and do an audit of what you're currently doing and why you're doing it. His number is 771-337-1143. We believe here at Nash Restaurant Radio that every single thing that you do should be done intentionally in a restaurant. And allowing some company to come in and just fix your dish machine without you knowing what's really happening is exactly what we're talking about. The thing Jason does the best is he can help educate you on exactly what's going on with all of your dish machines and chemicals. He can do staff trainings to understand why you're using what you're using, again, to be intentional. They don't make you sign any type of contract. They are week to week and can get you a brand new dish machine with three free months of dish machine rental. You need to check them out. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, click the Sponsors tab, and then you will see Super source. Click that tab for a special or give Jason Ellis a call at 770-337-1143. I heard Billy Bean. I heard Billy Bean speak the other day. Okay. Um, do you know who he is? He's the general manager for the A's, the Oakland A's, okay. the baseball team. He also Sports, the, yeah. the, well the book, there's a movie called um Moneyball. Moneyball. Brad Brad Pitt pay, played this guy in the movie, him and Jonah Hill. Okay. Basically he 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 took Everything in baseball that they did, and they flipped it upside down, and he figured out that the on-base percentage is the number one thing that wins games. That's the, that's the stat that mm-hmm. wins games. So he went and looked at all numbers and did an entire draft with no scouts. All the scouts, well, what do you mean? Well, this guy looks good. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm doing it all on the stat on-base percentage. That's who we're signing. And he did, and he won the AL pennant. Like It was mm-hmm. a whole thing, that mm-hmm. that one stat. And so it got me thinking, and I heard him, it was a, a restaurant it was at FS Tech, Food Service Technology Conference in Dallas a few months ago. And he said, um, I started thinking, I go, what is the number one stat in front of the house staff right. that would translate into making every guest a repeat guest? There's got to be one common denominator mm. that is the largest driving point behind that. And after thinking about it for a while, I thought about this. This was my answer that I came up with. Full-time employees. Tenure. Yeah, because if you come in and work two shifts a week, you're not engaged in all the stuff. But if you're a 32 to 45 hour a week person, Mm -hmm. you're in the building. You know what the specials Mm -hmm. are. You learn the food. You're dealing with it every day. You see the same people every day. You're able to build relationships. You're you're engaged in the entire thing. And I go, that's probably the biggest differentiator. When you have a staff of full time people that work there for an extended Mm -hmm. period of time. I think you can drive that engagement, and mm-hmm. I think it, I think everything starts to work after that. Right, part-time people don't necessarily, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, and this industry is there's tons of people that come in. I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. I need a couple nights. I need to work to make some money. And we need warm bodies. We need people mm-hmm. to do that. There's talented enough people, but how talented can you be two nights a week? Like yeah. I need people that can be there 40 hours a week to fully engage and get involved. I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, especially something that's neighborhood driven, like our clientele is this, like they come in, they know, I love our customer base because they are local, they're in the neighborhood. If they're, if we're busy, 
they'll be like, we'll see you tomorrow or we'll come back. We'll do take a walk and come back. Yeah. Or they'll come at five and just take over the bar, which they do a lot now. They just ambush before reservations come in, which is great because for us, money-wise, that's great too, you know? Sure. Um, but I, I do appreciate the full-timers. We I, we do, our, our kitchen is a one staff in, one staff out kitchen. Um, our hours are based on that. Like yeah. we all like, just like I'm, I'm out for a week. You're out for a week. That's okay. I cover you. You cover me. We all do everything together. That's great. The front of house, we have our, our loyals as well, but we have, you know, just those two or three that are not, and that they're, they're the ones that don't, that don't tune in or tap in as much. And that's exactly, I like that, that what you're saying. I think full timers, um, something else I'd like to actually ask you your opinion on is, um, what are your thoughts on pooling the front of house? We do that. You do the whole house, both my restaurants. How? How do we pool? Like, like would the host, the would the host and the expo also be part of that pool? No, it's 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 servers and bartenders mm-hmm. and banquets. So Maribel and Green Hills Grill, we have, gosh, we run eight to ten servers a shift. Yeah, and I mean, you know, yeah. What I wanted to do was I wanted to eliminate the nine dollar lunch mm-hmm. person that comes in who's working a double who gets the two old ladies that have a soup and salad and then yeah. they get cut because we weren't that busy and they made $9 and they were there for four hours. Sure. We wanted there to be a, Hey, look, if I come to work and I just focus on the mm-hmm. guest, what do I get? And the way that we do that is we use a, um, a system called grat share. It's a technology that does everything for us, mm-hmm. does all the numbers for us. I didn't want there to be human error to fuck up somebody's paycheck. I wanted all of it to be legit. We take all the hours that they work and then we divide that by the amount of tips. Yeah. And literally, you yeah. get a share. So, I mean, the people sure. that work the most hours make the most money. When I was working in New York, that's how we, we did it at, like, the larger... Like, I worked for John George, and we did, we did the, it was a point system, and it really worked well. I tried to do it when I first did some stuff here, and it wasn't... It was too before the times. Sure. People couldn't quite grasp it. It was before $20 for reservations existed, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but I was... This is an, another conversation we just had an hour ago. I'm like, how can we get people, like, the front, the whole front of house to be more proactive in the service because what I did this weekend really shouldn't have been me. It should have been the expo and the host. And so I had mentioned casually to Anna, my sister, maybe we should pool everybody that way. If the expo needs to grab a table or run a drink, they're not going to be like, it's not my job. Anybody so who has to be customer facing, the person has to be customer facing where mm-hmm. they could actually receive a tip typically. Right. So if you're in the house and you can go grab a table, obviously mm-hmm. no managers on, involved mm-hmm. in that. Um, Hostess, they get a tip share. They yeah. get a tip. We tip them out one percent, mm-hmm. so they don't. They're not part of the actual pool, mm-hmm. but they do get a percentage of the tips. Mm-hmm. It's just different. This is like my my, my staff meeting. Like we're, really, we're, really <laughs> we're having a staff like, meeting I'm, right I'm, now. I'm, it's completely clear. Like no, because what happened was this weekend I had a lot of a long wait, and so I was like, instead of losing these people or reservations that were came in second round that were having to wait for the tables to clear, I I lined them up and let them all have cocktails. Obviously, I didn't have a, t- a server number. But their ticket, their tickets were already hundred bucks before they sat down. Yeah. Right. So I did that. You know. So if the, I if I did that, the hostess the hostess could be doing that. Sure. Where's her cut in that respect? So we actually do a, a tip share. Um, what's well a gratuity share where we pool the entire house, both front and back of house, and the way that we do it is we pay everyone hourly. Our lowest hourly is $10 an hour. And then they share whatever additional service charges come in on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then people get the a higher hourly rate based, mostly based on how long they've worked there. Yeah. You get a raise every, um, every six months. And then we have a couple of back of house positions that qualify for a higher hourly as well, mm-hmm. based on skill level. Um, but it's worked quite well for yeah. us, especially with back of house retention. You know, I have back of house employees making 25 plus an hour, mm-hmm. which 
previously is not something we could have afforded. Right. Um, and I have a couple of front of house people that are maybe making a little less, but we have kind of a variety of ways we mm-hmm. work it out. I, yeah. We we can chat off there's so if much, you want more no, details. No, there's just so much, you know, I mean, I think this is good for the audience, for the viewers, sure, for, yeah. the, for the people to hear too. Like what we go through on a daily is, as bosses, like, none of this has been about our <laughs> livelihood right? at all. Yeah. You know, it's like how to one, this, how do we retain it? How do we keep the magic that was in the restaurant industry that we've had in the past? That was old Nashville. You know, this is so crucial. Um, uh, that's a whole different story. Something, yeah. something I said to Brandon when we were talking to Ben sticks last week was, uh, I think that a lot of times restaurant employees, you know, even employees of independent restaurants have this perception that the ownership is, rolling in dough mm-hmm. and living the high life and and some are and mm-hmm. god bless but the majority of the time that's just simply not the case yeah i don't pay know? my i don't get paid my my job is my social media yeah like my income is traveling out of the state making my money for myself and then coming back to do my passion which is the restaurant yeah so so how are you in nashville how much right now in a month probably two to three weeks i end up um with this schedule that I have currently, I leave the second the restaurant closes and I go to L.A. Okay. And then I come back for the next service. Got it. So I'm usually in L.A. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I'm cooking. I made my I made a promise to my staff that I would be there for the week every weekend. So oh, nice. So um, we curate the menu based on that. Our menu is written Monday through Wednesday. We execute Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're so busy. Um, no, it's fun, though. It's it's good that we have an audience that's, that's, that appreciates that, yeah. that's receptive to that. Um, and it's su- it's super fun for my staff too because we're, there's always something new on the menu. So you, you know? leave Nashville mm-hmm. when you land in LA. What happens? Um, I usually take a nap. I usually sleep. <laughs> I usually sleep the best when I get you. on the plane. And I get to my apartment because I can't come to the restaurant. I'm too far away. Yeah. So my my mind shuts off. And my body actually shuts down. Um, Where's I, your restaurant in LA? I ha- you, no, you, no, you, I don't have a restaurant. I have a house. Okay. I, I mean, I have a I have a test kitchen now. I have a house that I'm selling. To permanently move back to Nashville. Where are you I don't in LA? Go. Mm-hmm. Where are you like in LA? LA? Downtown Los Angeles is oh, my wow. is my loft. And then nice. I have a place in Eagle Rock, which is on the market if anybody wants to buy it. It's for Shout sale. Out. Yeah. Um, but basically my whole, with the new restaurant opening, with international market opening here, I am going to move back here permanently. Oh, great. For sure. I have other plans family-wise and things that I need to do. I think Nashville's a better city for it. Yeah. Um. But it was not planned. My mom passing away was not part of the plan. So, like, I had just established myself, just purchased a house, started a culinary teaching career, you know. And ironically, all the Hollywood stuff that I want to do, they film on Elm Hill Pike now. So I don't, I no longer have to chase the Hollywood dreams. I can just drive down the street and go to set. That's awesome. (laughs) Or go to Knoxville and that's it, you know. So it's funny that, like, I'm literally literally full circle and being forced to come back. Oh, yeah, because Food Network is doing all of their stuff in Knoxville Everything's in Tennessee. All the production's left. And and now that I'm established in L.A., whenever I need to be out there, I just fly out there to do stuff with the company that I'm working with. That's great. So yeah, it's crazy. So I'd love to hear a little more about your experiences doing reality TV. I personally, I'm just a reality show junkie and I love any kind of like inside dish or dirt or what you thought it was going to be, how it actually was. Um, do you know Andy Cohen? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do you want some tea so you can spill it? Are we going to go like that? Um, so, you know, when I did Top Chef, that was so many years ago. It was in the one digits of episodes. Now they're like in th- like season 37 or who whatever. Was, who was the season winner? My, and Kevin Spraga. Okay. 
I was in DC, um, and the the, st- the the star of that show right now, the breakthrough was Tiffany Derry. Oh yeah, who she didn't win, but she was in the top, and she's one of my really good friends. She's doing all kinds of stuff now all over the place, and it's great. She has yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, James Beard nominee last year. Um, her restaurant Roots is really really nice. It's taken her a while to find her groove and her voice, but this restaurant really reflects who she is. It's beautiful food. Um, but when I did it then, I literally didn't know what I was going to do on t- reality TV, but I knew I was going to be on reality TV. Like I didn't know if I was going to be for sewing or for just being a brat or for whatever. I was just going to do one. Like, it was I'm a bucket getting list. on television yeah. one yeah. way or another. You know, like we're going to do this. And so like when the cooking thing yeah. came around, I was like, and I don't sing, so I couldn't do American Idol. It wasn't an option. So it was like, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I got on and I was like, wow, this is like, way better than paying the Nashville scene a thousand dollars for an ad, sure. you know, oh, man, like yeah. it's, or what, back in the day, I think it's more now, but like, you know, it's way, it was like, this is like free press. And as it was on there, the momentum was like, you know, really, really cool just to see marketing wise, the advantages of having this in our back pocket, yeah. having left New York, coming here, knowing the importance of PR, you know, how much publicity, like publicity costs, this is free publicity. Um, Personally, I think I took it too personal. Like, I think I took it like I thought it was going to define me as a chef back then, which I think it kind of does now because the chefs now on the show are more cooks and personalities that I feel aren't really like I'm one of the only ones that had a restaurant back then. And I'm one of the only ones that still have the same one standing. Oh, wow. wow. If that makes any sense. Yes, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, like, they, like they go on the show, they they win the show, they get partnerships and investors they lose the partnerships, they lose the investors, they lose the restaurant, the, cl- rest, the concept's closed, and now they're working, doing consulting everywhere. Right. But consulting what? You can't make yours float. With all respect to all my friends, I love you all, but hey, there's the tea, right? Sure. I've, I've, been the, I've had the same paycheck, same payroll, same EIN since the 70s. So, you know, it's, wow. it's, it's, so if what the word chef means is what? Leader, right? So if that's the case, then I should have won the show. But they're not looking at my P&Ls. They're looking at who's going to win this challenge. Um, so there, that's my insight on what the show actually def- defines as a chef, which in society now it's a little different, like yeah. what a chef is. Um, with Food Network Star, obviously I knew that they were looking for a host. You know, it's a more it's a more defined role. Like we're looking for a television to host. Which seems very much in your wheelhouse, uh, just personality-wise. I you, appreciate that. Yeah. And it's still a goal that I'm working towards. I have some fun things coming up soon um, because of it. And it's but then again, it's like that's more like sharing your love of food and your knowledge and within your within your wheelhouse, not trying to prove that you're the best in this vocation, but just really celebrating what you do and do well and what you love, right? So I liked that. But in both scenarios, here's the tea. They have this thing called like a book. Oh my God, I'm going to get sued. Um, they have this thing called a book, like your own like talent book. And you have a producer that works with you one-on-one that interviews you when you're not on camera. And you start to notice that different talent on the show have different thicknesses of the books. Oh, interesting. Which means they kind of like anticipate how much they're investing in you in the right of the show. Interesting. Not that it's not scripted. It's not, I mean, not that it's a scripted thing, but it's like, do I, am I going to have time to ask you all thousand questions that I should be asking you for 12 episodes? No, I think I only need to ask you three. Interesting. You know, they, and they are predicting how you're going right, to do before right, you get there. Right. And then you start like throwing them curveballs and things like that. Like for me, They're like, oh, I need more pages. Yeah. Like for me with Food Network Star, it was like, I didn't get kicked off. So it was like they got 14 weeks of me. Yeah. You know, and it was, I don't know if they expected in the book to have such cooking chops. Mm-hmm. 
but I went in there for redemption from Top Chef and nobody else has had the experience that I had from cooking on a reality show before. Sure. So I was like, I'm coming to fucking throw down. I'm, like, ready. I'm, just, I'm ready. Like you can't, if, if I suck on camera, you're going to eat my food. It's going to be okay. I'm going to get through every single time. Then that's kind of my strategy. was my strategy, yeah. you know? And so it was kind of fun. Like it was, it's fun to be already, already in it and then already know how it works because I went in with a totally different mindset. I'm like, yeah, I got this. It's fascinating. I had all my dishes already planned, but I didn't know what the protein and the vegetable and the sauce were going to be yet. But I already had 14 sketches of dishes that the way they were going to look, the way they're going to be, the technique I was going to use, not knowing what the challenge was going to be. That's what I was, that was like, stole my question. I was going to say, strategy. how do you prepare? Like, literal strategy. And then one guy that I really liked a lot, he's from Louisiana. He's a food blogger. And I was like, God, he's so eloquent with his words, so beautiful. And I didn't know him at all. And then when after I got off the show and I started researching him, he just repeated his cookbook. Like he just, the whole time he was just like, growing up in the South, I would make this mock shoe with my grandma. And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Like, how did I, how did you know to put this together? And I was like, oh my God, that was chapter one. <laughs> like he fucking read chapter one. He's told this story yeah, a lot. A million times, you know? And so now I tell his story and I do well with it, but. <laughs> Are you watching right now the uh, Hell's Kitchen? No. By chance? Do you ever, have you watched that show? Do you know, um, have you met Gordon Ramsay? I actually did do a pilot with Studio Ramsay um, earlier this year. Oh. And they wrote, and we shot it during the pandemic, which is crazy to think that they would invest that much money during a during COVID to have a whole crew shoot a pilot with me. Yeah. Um. So I like him because of, because of that. Um. He's quite the personality. Well, Alex Ballou, who mm-hmm. is a chef out of Murfreesboro, he had a restaurant called Dallas and Jane. Uh, he's on there, mm-hmm. and he's on the show. And I think we just talked about this. I think hands down, he's by far the favorite. I think mm-hmm. he's going to win. Okay. He's better, I think, than everybody on this show. He just show. seems to have such a, sh- it's very obvious he has a much stronger skill set. I, yeah. I'm imagining his else. book is this thick. Yeah. If compared to other people on that show, I kind of go, well, clearly you know, Gordon likes him and mm-hmm. clearly like he's an attractive guy and he's got personality. And I'm like, I think they want him to win. I yeah. was wondering like, is that a thing? So it's a thing. Okay. So let's go, we'll, we'll take this back a little more, more of casting, right? Casting. I auditioned for Top Chef four times. What does an audition look like? Actually, three times, three times. The first audition, I flew myself to LA. I stood in a line and they literally pointed at people and who stood out. And I was one of them. And they said, who owns a restaurant in this line? And they come out of the line, they put us into a room. The rest got to leave. They were just like, boom. Because they were looking for a certain thing. Then I got through and then I got flown out to LA. Um... I got flown out to LA for an, an interview and as soon as I walked in the room, Andy was there and all this, this huge panel was there and I literally froze. It sucked. And I was like, that's it. Back on the plane two hours later, not going to happen. The following year, um, I, they were doing castings again. They called me back and I thought I was going to be on the show. They had a camera crew out. Every, it was kind of like, this is the year I'm going to be on the show. And then it was actually my birthday, if I remember. And we were we were bar hopping around Nashville with the with the camera crew. And then I got the call that I didn't make it on the fucking show. And I was oh. like, okay, there's got to be a reason for this, whatever. I you know what. And so that's the year I decided to open Susie Wong's and try to build my portfolio a little bit more. The third year, Crystal Deluna Bogan, who owns Grill Cheesery, she was she came to work for me at Cha oh. Cha or at, yeah Cha Cha, and um, 
her in or her cousin worked for me or something too. So she moved from California to come work for me. And she's like, Hey, by the way, I can start working for you, but I might be going on top chef. Oh, I never knew that. And I was like crazy. And she, they're like, well, tell them I said hi. So she did. And they called me down to Atlanta. I had just opened Cha Cha and I wasn't even thinking about it. And I ended up getting on the show and she ended up working my, my spot oh, no. for the restaurant, which wasn't a big deal, but I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. And that like, they ended up, casting me because she auditioned oh that's amazing she goes i'm working for this guy named arnold like, oh we know arnold he auditioned before i'm gonna come back and see us and then like that was the year i went on the show amazing and then she held fort while i was filming she would be great on the show oh she's I great could, she's yeah, so talented she yeah, really is she's, yeah she's really really good um and so like that was kind of like where that got me you know then when i went on the show i sort i started i started to realize the people that were on the show didn't do the process that i did they didn't go to an open audition. They didn't do this cattle call thing. They were placed on the show. Yeah, Tony actually, my husband Tony was a pastry chef in Chicago for many years and was friends with um, some of the people in the Top Chef world and got scouted for the first season of Top Chef Just Desserts. And it yeah. was a very different thing. He just had to fill out a questionnaire and submit a video and then people came to the restaurant and tried mm -hmm. his desserts and talked to him. He didn't get it, which... He's, in retrospect, really glad because he watched the show and he was like, oh, that's yeah. not good for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's It sounds like a very different process. Yeah, it's a different process and you can do it many ways. The other one was, you know, after Top Chef, I moved to LA trying to do, get my foot in the door and I'm, I was talking to my talent manager and I'm like, what do I do now? And she's like, hold on one second. She goes, oh my gosh, Food Network Star is actually auditioning right now in New York, their last day of auditions for the whole season is tomorrow, get on a plane. So I went to New York, got off the plane, sat outside a cafe in the cold, again, number 360 something, waiting in line, not knowing what I was doing, but going, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond the rest of the people here. You know, the girl in front of me is a home cook that cooks with weed that makes one recipe. This person behind me was, you know, and they all had a story. Also, can you cook with weed and feed it to the judges? Um, I well, that's your that's your if, differentiator. If I mean, I think I hope now you can. Just you know, sure. you know. Um, I definitely in this last show that I just got done judging, we had somebody that was a cannabis cook, which is amazing. Okay. Um, but. So I went through the ca the cattle call again. I went through the whole like waiting in line. I got my number. I sat down. I go, hey, I'm only here for the day. Actually, I'm, I'm here for four days. You're probably going to call me back tomorrow. I'm Arnold. I was on Top Chef. You're going to want me. Da, 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 da. And they're like, yep. And they took my picture and put it in a pile of three people. And literally an hour later, they're like, can you come see us at studio tomorrow? Bring us a dish that you already made. Be prepared to make another dish on camera. Let's move this right along. And literally, I knew from that moment that I was going to be on that season of Food Network Star. I just knew it. Like, I was like, I'm mine. one of the 16 on this show of the thousands you've auditioned. I yeah. know it. And I told them. And me telling them got me on the show. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating. Well, they're looking. I mean, I think we in the industry mm -hmm. watch it with a different lens than people who are outside of the industry watch it. And if you're casting these things. You're looking for the outliers. You're looking for the interesting people that's going to captivate your audience. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm a great, I, I'll go back to the movie A League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that movie? Both of I've seen. I've watched the series and the original movie. So I always look at the, the Marla Hooch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember they go there. She's just crushing home runs, yeah. and then as she comes around. She looks up. She goes, "Huh." Yeah. Okay, we're leaving. Like, <laughs> imagine that that's the cutthroat type of thing that you've got to have in mm -hmm. the industry. You come in and like, look at the way I can cook. Your food's delicious, but you're boring as shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you, you're not going to translate on camera. Right. And I think you, with this 
confidence in this, I'm going to be on the show. This is me. Then they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah people are going to like him. Mm-hmm. How many people do we know that are incredible chefs, but mm-hmm. just like, ooh, you're not made for television. Yeah, yeah. I don't, um, can we start naming names? <laughs> I won't name names. <laughs> or just but a we face for radio. <laughs> or, or, or a face for, for radio. radio. Well, that's um, me. The, um, no. You know, I, don't, I didn't learn all of this from cooking, though. I was definitely a child act, a child performer. I skated all my life before I cooked. I toured the world as a professional figure skater. Oh, that's right. Doing, I didn't know that. Doing shows. I didn't really? know that. So, like, I was, you know, in costumes and on light stage lights all my life. So that's just second nature. I'm lucky to have found cooking these days helps me do what I do. Well, and then, so, so Susie, oh, and I'm a drag Susie Wong, yeah, you're a like, drag side queen note, also. also. I'm also a cross-dresser. <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing. I, I love it. Yeah. It's cool. Have you ever gone into like the drag reality? Yeah, I'm gonna start routes? twitching now. Let me let me start twitching with that with that uh, that conversation. Um, yes and no. I have a lot of friends in the drag reality route. Um, I don't do what they do. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not thirsty in that way, for lack of better words. You know, oh, no. you know, I just learned about <laughs> thirst traps. Yeah, I'm not trapping that one. No, you just learned about thirst traps. <laughs> I, uh, I, I maybe the maybe I'll ask you another we've time got how these, you learned about. Yeah. Thirst well, we traps. We, so we've got these two games here. I've got these two cards. Well, maybe we'll do this with you in a minute. Hot takes and then the hot seat. And I was looking through them trying to find interesting questions. Of that's all the good questions of oh, okay. the whole stacks. And one of them was, is it cheating to click on a thirst trap? And I looked at my wife and I go. What's a thirst trap? She goes, oh, you know what a thirst trap is. And she named three people that are, I'm not saying a name. Oh, talking about naming names. That post thirst traps. And I was like, okay, I know what a thirst trap is now. Thank you. Like three people, you know, personally mm-hmm. or three people okay. in Nashville. Okay. In this industry. Oh, we'll talk about it when no. we get off mic. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's it. I'm like, do I, I don't do anything. She's like, no, 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 that's not it. But I did. I, I look. I am sheltered. I mean, I listen. Like, I I, there know. are there are a lot of not necessarily Nashville, but just in general. There's Thirsty. a lot of chefs that love to post their bodies on on Instagram, and it's just like, listen, you do you. But I don't know. There's just a lot of dude chef chefs posting bodies. You on know what's Instagram. interesting? I um I just recently lost my TikTok account. I don't know what happened. Like oh, it no. just cleared off my phone. I went to go post something and it disappeared and I can't figure out how to get it back on. Like I my I have a social team that works with me. This is see this is the bougie part of me talking. Um <laughs> I, and and, we're, and I was like, "Hey guys, I can't find my thing." And they're all logged on and we're all trying to find it. We're all we're, it's not there. And so I think I lost my TikTok page. Can you find it as like somebody else? Can you find your page yeah, on there? Yeah, it's it still exists, it still but it's exists. but I can't get in there myself. Mm-hmm. Like it reroutes me to, to a new account, and so I'm oh. like, wow. I go, maybe we should just take this opportunity for me to get naked and like just put up a, like a fake picture and like start a new one and gain like a million followers in two seconds. Is that all it takes? Uh, yeah. Cause, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. If, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> anything that's like bait. Are hot, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like it's like you know, just in a chest with an apron and just like. Be like Arnold's back, like Art, like Art Smith's <laughs> naked chef. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, have you met him? Do you know him? Uh, I've I've met Art before, but I haven't met the, naked. the naked. Actually, No, but Tony did an event. Um, oddly enough, there was a fundraiser event in Boca for um the Parkland families, and the naked <laughs> chef was there. He, I've done I think two events with him. Ironically, both at the James Beard House, and okay. they had they asked him to put uh underwear on okay just because we didn't oh, want like ass crack out in the middle of a james beard event i don't know about the health coach it's james beard event sense. and ask yeah i don't know and i did a i did a Nash, the new york food and wine we did a brunch together and he was naked chef there for sure love it it was all full out. on naked chef. he has an apron on yeah he's completely naked 
Okay. The back side. The back side's there. Okay. Yeah, the front's covered. He's got a nice and he body. Co- and he cooks. And he cooks, which is, is interesting. Good, good chops. Uh, good. <laughs> I mean, uh, n- I, enough said. Enough I think, said. That, I I think, think the marketing point is all. the naked chef. What's better, the body or the food? I think the body sells okay. the gorgonzola pasta. It's a, well, it's a different. <laughs> Like gorgonzola pasta in the middle I of a brunch. You. In the middle of a brunch. How'd, you, how'd you. you do it? Gorgonzola pasta. I'm like, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. I'm loving. It's this. better if you're watching this out there. But you oh can see God. all of us in the in the Amazing. studio just cracking up. <laughs> wow. Okay. So do you do you incorporate Susie Wong into any of your your Cooking or any any side of that? Do you think that's something the producers like? Is yeah, they like- love it. They love it too much. I think. Um, does that bother I, you? Yeah, it does. I I I definitely put my use Susie. I exploit Susie to get my foot in the door. Okay. Um, definitely Susie came about as my version of Ronald McDonald for Susie Wong's when I had the restaurant. I was definitely kind of like the spokesperson for that. But what it took people to for me was not only marketing, but also kind of lost my clout as a chef. I felt like it made me a little clownish and a little not too serious. Okay. And um, Susie's never cooked before ever, to be honest. Like she never would touch food or could think about it. And the thought of me as Susie doing that, I mean, nightmare. Yeah, no, I lose a nail, that. lose a lash, <laughs> glitter in the food. Like it's not going to happen, right? It's way too serious. When I when I cook, I'm I'm in into the food. So for me, the whole Hollywood aspect of this is that they want to produce this world of Susie Wong cooking. But for me, I have to separate it. Where Susie might be able to do front of house, but there's no way Arnold's going to give away his career to this glamorous woman. That's gotcha. A, you know, and it's been a hard sell because definitely the interest sparks with my branding. But then I'm like, you guys can't lose the sight, lose sight that I actually cook hard. Yeah. You know, like it's I. It's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. Yeah. Like there's a lot like of the soul. Naked chef. There's a lot of soul What's in my food. Well, I mean. Actually, it's less of a gimmick because he's not got—he's naked. <laughs> he's pretty—he's pretty exposed. He's pretty. Well, <laughs> but yes, yes, same, same thing. You know, would it's like he take, be there if he was the clothed chef? But I don't I think mean, he would be there if, if he. I don't. I mean, God. I mean, he's such a good guy in marketing, and he's such a nice guy. But I don't know how much cooking chops he actually has to want to to that I'm trying to put out there. Sure. You know, like he's not running a restaurant. You, you're not. saying you want to be taken more seriously as a, a legitimate chef mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, oh, here's mm-hmm. a, here's my gimmick. Here's my, which I think I, I am, can't actually cook, which I think I am. It's just when Susie comes in and she takes part of the conversation. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and li- literally like you just sp- spoke of sports and it's like, it's for me, drag for me is my, is my golf. I call it my golf. It's okay. my very expensive hobby that people seem to think they can m- mix together with my cooking career, but they're two totally separate careers. Got right. it. You know, it's like they don't mix. They just don't mix. Even though I'd made one, I guess I'm I'm contradicting myself now. When did you open Susie oh. Wong's? Um right after Top Chef. Okay. Or right before around Top Chef. So whenever that was. Okay. But we cl- it's closed now. Right. No, yeah. I know I knew that. I guess I'm just curious when you because it was before I moved to I moved to Nashville ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm fortunate that I saw some of the old Nashville, like yeah. right before the tipping point happened. What was, what was it like when you opened Susie Wong's? Was it all great reception? Was there yeah. some, uh, you know, kind of negative feedback from some more conservative people around or. Well, luckily we live in this bubble called Davidson County, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, I mean, I live in this bubble and reality of being this like 
there were, I had more battles in my life than I had than being a drag queen chef owner. Like literally I was, I'm a gay boy, Thai, Asian born in the South. Like, yeah. come on. My dad founded the Buddhist temple. Like it was not a, a normal path per se growing up Southern. Um, but I never felt much adversity in any of that. So for me, embracing who I am and always being encouraged to embrace who I am through my environment just made that organic. Like I, I had no time to hear, hear the naysayers. Yeah, that, you know? I think that's great. I, I grew up in Alabama originally, and, you know, it, it's nice to be back in the South, but mm-hmm. in a city that feels so much more open-minded Recept- and yes. receptive. The thing is about, you know, the thing that I learned from my mom is being on Belmont next to Music Row, all of our, all the people that grew up with me were all music industry people that were savvy and world-traveled and moved in, and their, and their kids grew up with me with the same mindset. We'd leave town, come back, share our stories. So it wasn't really, there was no, there was nothing to look, to judge. Yeah. You know, um, we were just more excited to see more. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really see much. Actually, I think I did the other day. I mean, maybe at last night, I was thumbing through like something and something archived up about controversy of me having a drag restaurant in Nashville. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we were doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email, anytime, from anywhere, or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What chefs want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call 800-600-8510 or visit them at whatchefswant.com. Proud sponsor of the Titans and the Predators, Corson Fire and Security is also a sponsor of Nashville Restaurant Radio. We love Corson. And you know who else we love? We love Kevin Rose. That is the specialist. He is your restaurant specialist over at Corson Fire and Security. Uh, If you don't know who your company is, who services your hood suppression systems or your fire extinguishers, that might be your first indicator that you're not using the right company. Let me tell you, Kevin Rose, you would know if he's your guy because he's going to visit you. He's going to do staff trainings. He's going to make sure that every single thing is up to code. So if you ever do need to use your hood suppression system or you do need to use your fire extinguishers, you can be rest assured they're going to work and you're going to know how to use them. And now the next question you're thinking is, well, how do I get a hold of Kevin? Because I want to call him right now. Let me tell you, his cell phone number is 615-974-2932. If you prefer to send him an email, you can email him at kevin.rose at corson.com. That's K-O-O-R-S-E-N dot Please tell him that Brandon from Nashville Restaurant Radio sent you, and he will take great care of you. Call him today. And our final advertisement for the day is going to go to my buddy Dan Marr over at Southern 
health insurance. Guys, if you work for a restaurant that doesn't offer health insurance, you need to go tell your manager or tell your owner about Southern Health. Let me tell you, Southern Health Insurance is the, the health insurance provider for so many small companies. They can do small companies. If you have one restaurant or if you have 10 restaurants, they join together with a larger group to offer you group savings. Guys, this is a no-brainer. You can get life insurance up to $100,000, dental, vision, uh, health major medical. These are the things that you need as a business owner to retain your staff, but also it's the right thing to do to offer to your staff. Now, here's the deal. If you work for a restaurant or you work anywhere and you don't have health insurance, that is okay. Dan can take care of individuals as well. I know the next question is, how do I get a hold of Dan? Again, this is 832-816-8602. Directly will get you a hold of Dan. You don't have to call some big company and hit the number one to number seven to find the right guy. Dan Marr is the man. Please tell him that you heard about him from Nashville Restaurant Radio. And if you want to email him, his email is dan at southernhealthins.com. Guys, you never know. You never know when something's going to happen to you and you need to be protected. That is why health insurance is so vital. So if you own a restaurant, give Dan a call. If you just need health insurance, give Dan a call. Please let him know you heard about him on Nashville Restaurant Radio. We're now going to jump back in with Arnold Mint. Are you guys having as much fun with this interview as I am? Oh my gosh, this is just a blast. Uh, enjoy. So I didn't really see much. Actually, I think I did the other day. I mean, maybe last night I was thumbing through like something and something archived up about controversy of me having a drag restaurant in Nashville, like an article that just popped up because I was reading something else. An old article? An old article. Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh, wow. And I didn't even think twice to read it again because it didn't phase me then. It shouldn't phase me now, you know? Sure. Um, but it was... I mean, yeah, it was a drag queen restaurant because it was next to a gay bar. But it's so it nice worked. that it it's so nice to hear <laughs> that. It should work anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. there should be there should be no article written about why that's something that's bad or, well, or I mean, I think I think it was because of all this. There's a lot of conservative things going on right now about transgender laws and things like that happening. And there's that idiot Marsha Blackburn is like oh doing whatever bullshit. When people she's in Texas about. are losing their minds over drag brunches. Yeah, and like, and like why are you like why are you so obsessed about what I put on? Like, why are you so obsessed about what I wear? I think there's a reason why. Well, <laughs> I, at least I get to wear it. They're That's just my jealous. Take. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, we know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Jealous, jealousy. I don't know. It's envy. Just, yeah. Usually, the things that bother you the most are the things that you have a lot of insecurities about. Yeah. So yeah, hmm. true. Well, it's <laughs> nice to hear that there was so little negative reaction mm -hmm. around it that you don't even remember it. Yeah, and the thing is, like, think about this: we were one of the first like drag restaurants. We had drag queens and stuff that came in after as an afterthought, but it ended up flourishing. And now they're everywhere. You can throw a drag brunch out to every totally. music venue in town, you know. And that's they're not even identified as gay owner operator alternative lifestyle. It's just a restaurant that has drag queens. Yeah. And if you can't handle it, that's your problem. Totally. I mean, then stay at home. You know what? Put I on did? your heels in your closet. Anzi Blue, <laughs> yeah, um, Chef Star, yeah. Star May, yeah. and Marsha, who owned the place, they came in here, and I was so refreshed and just there. I don't know. They're just so unapologetic. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna be who we are. And if you don't like us, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And it's like, and they're gonna reach for female empowerment, and mm -hmm. they're gonna do drag brunches, and yeah. they're gonna really advocate for the LG. 
BTQ community. And yeah. There's this so is many options. There's something that I love about this whole social media cra- era right now that like I love doing it too. It's that subtle clapback that we can do as business owners that we never got from Yelp back in the day that we were right. never allowed. It was, it's been a passive thing where we just had to kind of take it, but now we can just kind of like be like, no, yo, this is how it's going to be. You've been good at that. I know. I'm You've very been- good clapback. <laughs> Thank you for following me. Yeah, no, I love following you because I love your saying, hey, guys, look what this asshole just yeah, wrote. Look at this idiot. And this is my response. And you're like, hey, asshole, like this, that's not okay. Or you you actually do it much more eloquently. Uh, I might just do it your approach next time. I'll quote <laughs> hey, you. asshole. <laughs> I've been given permission to say this. Hey, yeah. asshole. Well, I mean, I, I had Jim Myers in here. Uh-huh. And he used to be the, the, the critic, restaurant critic mm-hmm. for the Tennessean. And I said... What did you have to do? He goes, I took it very, very seriously. And mm-hmm. I visited a place multiple times and I did an accurate critique. And now today, every single person with an iPhone is a, is a food uh-huh. critic uh-huh. and they don't do it the right way. And there's the, you can't trust the intention behind it. Do they want something for free? Do they want to be outlandish and, and mm-hmm. maybe some producer is going to see them like, oh, we want them on a show. I don't know what people are auditioning for. Yeah. Like the idea is let people know a genuine, honest, if you love it. I think it's a, if you love it, if you don't like it, reach out to the actual restaurateur Mm -hmm. and say, hey, this was my experience. And if that restaurateur tells you to go pound sand, then let people know that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm a, if you come to me and tell me about your experience, I'm going to genuinely care and yeah. I want to make it right because that's not, when I wrote, when I wrote the business plan, it wasn't, well, we'll piss off 20% of people and go yeah. fuck and then they can just suck it. Like, that's not it. Yeah. Like I genuinely care. That's what we do this for. I want you to have a good experience. But yeah. when you don't tell me, but you decide to tell the world, mm-hmm. I got a problem with that. And especially now, I think, I think we're, we have a little bit more, um, power than we had in the past mainly because because of the pandemic we're not mm-hmm. at the we're not at the mercy of the consumer anymore like literally if we're doing this right now we're doing it because we love it and because we have something that we stand by and we believe in it's not like the four times where it's like whatever you want will make you happy we'll do what we need like i'm giving you what i can give you and i'm not going to waste my time giving you some bullshit i'm going to invest into what i do well and this is it. And if you if you don't like it or something went wrong, let's have a conversation about it because it's not going off the menu. I'm not changing my point of view. I'm not changing my approach, but I can try to get you to be on the same page as me, you know? And it's like, it, we're, we have a little bit more power now too. You know, I think people are very grateful that we're open. You have to understand, yeah. right? You, like, oh, uh, I, com- like, I completely like, understand. When I was going to give you an example of what she did during the pandemic with just she said I was very conservative with who I would say something to. Mm-hmm. And there's a point to where human rights meant more to me than you dining in my restaurant. Right. And she said, I, at this point, I don't really care. I mean, you said this on the show. You're like, I don't care. I'm going to stand up for my people. Yeah, yes. I'm, more I'm a lot to quicker to draw a line now. I, I don't think that there was ever a time that, you know, I would tolerate, you know, people using slurs or anything like that. But, but there was definitely, I wouldn't draw a line if I felt like people were being abusive, usually mm-hmm. to me, quite frankly, because if somebody's, you know, being out of control, I'm the one to intervene and say, hey, what's the problem here? And I would just let people honestly treat me like shit and be, oh, I'm so sorry. How can I fix this? How can I make it better? And now it's a point where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm being kind and respectful trying to help you. Mm-hmm. If you if you can't receive that, then you got to go. Yeah. Because I'm not here for this. Yeah. We had, we had a situation the other day and it was late. It was our last table of the very busy night. And it wasn't going right. And I already knew it was, I mean, from the moment this person walked in, I was, I knew something wasn't going to happen. And I told my staff, like, 
do this, make extra precaution, be, ex, you know, and, and I finally halfway through something got sent back. Nothing ever gets sent back. And I was like, fuck, here we go. And I told my server, she looked at me like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm not going to give them another $45 chicken. I'm not going to waste my staff's time. I'm not going to waste my par. It's a $45 fucking chicken. Tell her it's not going to work out. Order something else on the menu and it's on me and just get her out of here. Yeah. And so she was like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to make another chicken. Like, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. And, and she did that. And I was like, you know what? We have that right now. You know, even when we're too busy on the weekends, we don't do takeout in the middle of service because I only have four cooks, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we started limiting our takeout Thank on you. certain services I'm as well. I'm not the and only one. Thank people you. don't let, we do our $10 Tuesday and we got to where we used to do it for everything, but now we've limited it to dine-in only. And yes. People don't love that, but it's like, hey, we're we're not a factory. Right. And we're making but, an artist but by pizza saying with that, people. But by saying that, they, they they have to appreciate and it. People were being abusive to our team members, and that's part of the reason. Wow. Not now, listen. Not everyone. We are so lucky. We have an amazing clientele. It's very few yeah. and far between. But it happened enough times that people were rude to our team members over long wait times for pizzas. That I'm like, I just I can't create this situation. Sure. My favorite thing about these interactions, though, I have to say, <laughs> is when you do have to kick somebody out or kind of cut somebody uh -huh. off you know, 86, a customer is the way that the other customers who witness it react Yes, because it is overwhelmingly positive. And they're like, Hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Hey, I saw what happened there. You guys did the right thing. We're so sorry that he was so mean to you. It's, sorry, no offense, but it is always a he. <laughs> okay. Not always, but <laughs> for, for me, most of the time, um, you know, and I just, it actually does something to kind of boost you with mm -hmm. your other good clientele because mm -hmm. they like to see you drawing those boundaries right. and they they see what you're going through they mm -hmm. see what you have to put up and with. you're giving them that fantasy of reality tv oh, yes, <laughs> they, yes. they're like oh my gosh i'm living it live in yes. action they're like oh my god it's kitchen nightmares. it's totally <laughs> it no but i i you know i i tell people on the phone i whenever this happens i always make it a point to answer the phone and i go hi international market it's arnold and they're oh. like we, they're like we'd like to make a takeout order i'm like we're not doing takeout right now we're just really busy and they go more times than, than none, they're like, oh my gosh, we're so happy you guys are so busy. We'll call back tomorrow. I love that. And I'm like, oh, but I also have to say, it's Arnold. Yeah. You can't yell at me for this. I right? made the decision. There's a there's a, a level of empathy, I think, that yeah. the general public, I think that we did a good job of publicizing. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was is um, I wanted to educate diners. Mm -hmm. I wanted people mm -hmm. who are guests in restaurants to listen because where do they learn? Where do people that are casual, that go out casually, where do they learn mm -hmm. not to do the bad things? Where do they right. learn, hey, don't snap. Don't treat people this way. Don't. Right. These are things that are common. And it, I, I drove Uber for a while just because I, I love doing it. It was a fun thing for me. Mm -hmm. But I learned so much because I didn't know. I'd call Ubers and be like, hey, man, we'll be out in like 10 minutes. I'm like, no, no, motherfucker. You need to be waiting outside by the car. They don't get paid for you. Like, but I, how would I have known that? Yeah. Every other car service you call, I need you from these times and they, mm -hmm. but like, it's different. It's different in a restaurant. The mm -hmm. things that you do don't necessarily fly. And I want to share etiquette because mm -hmm. they're, we're people, we're right. people that are here to serve you. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole thing. I, I have to say to you something that was, that I, I think is Maybe not as much of a problem in Nashville when it used to be, but when I moved here 10 years ago, there was definitely a different vibe than when I was working in restaurants in Chicago. And when I was in Chicago, I felt it felt like there was more appreciation mm -hmm. for people who were servers and bartenders. So it's like, hey, you're somebody who, you know, is educated about food and beverage and, you know, I respect what you're doing. And then 
when I came to Nashville, my first impressions working in fine dining in Nashville, it felt much more of like a servant type of position, Mm. you know, where it's like, you're here to serve me. And like, why are you at my table talking to me? And, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing, but it was just, it was very different vibes. I wonder if you see that in LA at all. Um, I, it's interesting you say that because in cities of entertainment-based, in entertainment-based cities like Nashville, like LA, and even like in New York, when I was in school in New York, even though New York is a big restaurant, ta- a food town, you still get the idea that the servers aren't career servers. Mm-hmm. They're more like just doing it to get their next break. Mm-hmm. And so they're not as invested. But when you do have a more boutique restaurant, I do tend to see that people are more invested in, t- in terms of their delivering. But again, that's on the server, not on the establishment, yeah. you know? Um I I don't know if I agree with that. Really? I think it's all leadership. Okay. I think you have to I think you have to have a foundation. You have to have core values. You have to have a vision. Mm-hmm. And there has to be somebody who's articulating that to people, motivating them, wanting them. So any server can walk into a restaurant sure. and get a job. Service is black and white. I can bring you a water. That's service. But really where you create hospitality is when you it's how people feel. Mm-hmm with that service and that doesn't you can hire the the person that has that but you've got to lead people to that and you have to you have to create your culture right right but what i'm saying like in terms of what you should say about the the talent pool and what we have to work with right yeah let's say we have all these people that are music students at belmont they're coming to work for me at the restaurant their goal is not to be serving a thai fried chicken the whole and telling us where the farm what farm it's from the rest of their life they're trying to get an ep that's a great point okay you're right i think that the environment I was in in Chicago was so many more like career restaurant, career restaurant people. people, which there was a golden time in Nashville where that was it. Okay. There was a, there was a core group of this like Randy Rayburn era of career servers that I lived for that made me love this industry, even though I was born and raised in it. That made me like I had a place and a voice in this. You know, we were I was working the showroom at Talton Porter as one of my first jobs. And like I loved the food there. I was crazy about what we were doing. And I was just this like little raver kid that like wanted a job to make money to go party, but like I still loved my product. You know, and it was all these like-minded people that were just in this world. We all went out together after work. You know, it was like. Do you was that when Jody Faison? It was owned the Faison it? era. Yeah. It was the, it was the Rumba era. It was it, the PM uh, era. All this like you know. Speedy over at Rumba. Speedy at Rumba. Yeah. All of this. We would all get off work and all come to International Market. I mean, go to go to PM afterwards or go somewhere. You know, like Granite Falls was still around. I think or the back. You know, uh, maybe not. But like we were like you it, know it was, it was a very iguana, yes uh, it was a very core group of lifers restaurant yeah. lifers and the the food. The way we communicated our food and stuff was just really a different level of a, what it is now. Sure, you know, it's almost, it's almost too, we all and almost we made it almost too easy now. I think because the product is so stellar, sure, in town that it's almost like a cakewalk to not have to explain what things are. But back then, like we were very proud of things that we did. Yeah, I think know? it's still there. Yeah, I think that is still okay. there. And I I've talked to I've done two hundred and eighty plus episodes of the show. I've talked to a lot of people in the industry, mm-hmm. and I think that. There is a still a core. I think mm-hmm. that Strategic does a great mm-hmm. job. I think Julia Sullivan over at mm-hmm. um, Henrietta Red and, and Joshua Habiger mm-hmm. and Philip Kredgick. If you go to Folk, the service there, those servers there, mm-hmm. I sat down at Folk. You know, it's been a year, but like literally, or maybe right before the pandemic even started, but she went over the entire menu with me and explained every single thing. And I go, well, I don't drink. Do you guys do mocktails? She's like, absolutely. Yeah. And she just started naming them off. And I was like, where do you find people that 
care at this. Mm-hmm. They're still here. Yeah. The key is that what can we do to preserve that? Mm-hmm. What can mm-hmm. I do to preserve that? And that's something that mm-hmm. I want to, I don't know. I don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. but I want to preserve it and I want to promote it. You know, I, if you build it, they will come, I guess is what is how is the cliche, but like, this is what's going to set us apart as the smaller independent restaurants or the local restaurants from the larger ones that are taking over, mm-hmm. you know, is the proof is in the product. The proof is in this, the special, this is something you don't put in a job manual in a, in a, in a it, this is, you can't buy this. No. You know, and that's where if we have a smaller team, I think that's where we can curate this moment. Definitely. You know? And and it's hands-on. It's, mm-hmm. It sounds like, you, I know you and your sister are so hands-on. You know, mm-hmm. Tony and I are in the restaurant all the time. You know, that type of connection with, yeah. with the team. It's mm-hmm. like they know who they're working for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they know the people who own the restaurant. And there's a lot of places that, that that's just not the vibe. Yeah. Oh, no, we're at an hour, and uh, <laughs> did that feel like 12 minutes? Yeah, well, 15. So fast. Um, what do we miss? What do you want to talk about? What do you want? Do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have, like, is there any topic that you are like, I was really hoping you were going to talk about this? Anything you want to you No, I didn't up? know. I didn't know what to expect. I'm just glad that I got, got in finally. Me too. I was, I was feeling really tired yesterday. Um, I hit a wall yesterday for the first time in, like, probably 20 years. Oh, wow. And I went to bed at 5 p.m. and I woke up this morning thinking, God, just get through the weekend kind of thing. Um, anything to plug? There's not really because I'll plug it <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, on my social media. I think, you know, I just, I like that we're still trying to keep this smaller, not mom and pop, but more like independently yeah. curated local. restaurant, local restaurant scene alive. 100%. It's nice to be back taking a little bit of a hiatus and coming back and seeing how much it's grown. I mean, in a way I want to kind of passively like snark at it all and like be like, Oh God, Nashville is just bullshit at this point. But there's some good pockets of Nashville that I still love. And I'm re I'm re falling in love. I'm falling in re love. I'm re loving re falling in love, falling back in falling back in love. There you go. There you go. Um, again, with what I remember that made such an impression on me on me as a kid, it's still here for sure. Uh, How old are you? Um, older. Oh, I which part? <laughs> I've, I've many. I've had many, many incarnations. I'm, I'm 43. I'm older than you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just the time I started working restaurants yeah. at uh, 18. J. Alexander's Wipers Road. Yeah. Hand tied bow ties. Yeah. White shoes. The whole thing. Yeah. And white shoes. I worked at the Boundary in '97. Well, it wasn't me. That was what their uniform was. I, their uniform was white shoes. It was khaki pants. A starched. Dry cleaned white shirt, hand tie bow tie, and white shoes. And before the shift, what kind of white shoes? Like, like saddle white, shoes? Like like safety shoes? Like server like, shoes? Yeah, like like a nurse's shoes. white yeah. shoes? Yeah. But you had these. They had these little like erasers. So every day before the shift, you had to like clean them. <laughs> wow. had, oh, and then you had lineup. Lineup there was literally a lineup. You lined up, and the manager would walk, and you had to hold out your five pens. You had to hold your bank, I your wine key. I think they still do that at Jay's. The I, I whole worked there thing. for twenty four hours okay. when I first moved to town. <laughs> twenty four hours. But we did not have to wear white shoes. The no, they changed hours. the uniform now. But uh-huh. like, there's a there's there's you and I probably a lot of the same yeah. time. But I was all front of the house. Yeah. So I was always a front of the house guy. Well, I mean, but... I never I was always serving. Okay. Well, back in the go. day, until I decided to stop skating and go to culinary school, oh. which is another hour to talk about. But um, so we could. This, <laughs> this is the problem. See, we tip of the iceberg. We get all this yeah. stuff, and then we're like, yeah. oh wait a minute, there's yeah. another oh, wait, hour there's in more. that <laughs> culinary school. Yeah, culinary school. 
I would love to do a topic show about culinary school. So maybe we can have you back to mm-hmm. talk about culinary school. Oh, actually, you know, it's, be really interesting. yeah, let's, yeah, we should, or get a couple people in yeah. to have their PTSD and, 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 and talk, I mean, yeah. Well, Where did you go to culinary I school? I went to ICE in New York, the okay. Institute of Culinary yeah. Education. Wow. And I taught at the one, and then I, and then culinary school as an instructor of the same school with the same books, which is interesting. Wild. And my cooks are actually I recruited from my classes. They're all from LA. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Look at that. Well, we yeah. had lunch there the other day. It was fantastic. Good. It was really good. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you if it was bad no, right you now. Really should. Not right now. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say do. it right now. I mean, uh, it was. It was. It, honestly, though, it was delicious. Thank you. It was wonderful. And there was a water that I had that was really. Good. I don't forget what it was. I don't know what it was like a sweet tea or something that was like mm-hmm. a. It's an Asian tea. In a can? In a can. Yeah, I didn't make that myself. No, but it was just really good. I've never had it before. You turned me on something new. Okay, I was like, that's cool. really awesome. Right on. I love good. the vibe inside there. Yeah, it's, it's, beautiful. it's nice. Thank you. Thank you. It's clean. It's it's open. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. So go check it out. Uh, International Market. That's if you're the listening, plug. Go that's to the, the International plug. Market. It is on Belmont Boulevard, mm-hmm. right next to like Bongo Java and Proper Bagel. Mm-hmm. It's right over there next to the old Chagos. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a uh, it's an amazing spot, and you should definitely go check it out. Yeah, there's that's the plug I want to plug. It's okay. the international market. Good deal. Well, reservations fi- on weekends. Farm to plate, pretty local, low carbon footprint. Love that. So yeah. Final thing that we do on the show is mm-hmm. we have a the Gordon Food Service final thought. Okay. Gordon Food Service is our fine uh, title sponsor. They're amazing, and they sponsor our final thought, which is. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, you're speaking to the city of Nashville, the culinary community, whoever's listening, I don't know, all nine people, <laughs> you get to say, you get to take us out. Wow. Final thought, whatever you want, Arnold, it is, it is, the mic is yours. All right. Well, this is, I guess, um, oh my gosh, I wish I had a chance to think about this. Um, and take your time. You don't have to. Yeah, you can, no, you I just think I about feel, it. I, I feel to see the pressure of like, get it out. Home <laughs> run. Do it, do you it. got this. You yeah. got this. Um, you know, there's one common bond that we all have, and it's our relationship with food. Everybody has some sort of story. Everybody has some sort of memory. And I think with the way the world is right now, we forget that every time we have a meal, we actually have an opportunity to make a memory. So do that. Love that. Thanks. I love that. Make a memory. Yeah. That's tight. Be it a sandwich, be it on a plane, be it in your car. Take a moment to appreciate what you're doing with that food and make a memory. I love it. Arnold, thank you so much thank for you. taking thank time you. out of your busy, busy, busy so day. Busy. <laughs> um, it's been an honor. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. And uh, I've had so much fun. Yeah. Can't wait for the next one. Culinary. Culinary school. Culinary we can talk chats. about whatever you want. We can just keep doing this. I do. Yeah. I love talking to interesting people. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. We have no rules here. Yeah. It's kind of the fun thing. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks, done, right? Have a wonderful rest of your week, man. Yeah. Thank you. You guys too. All Cheers. right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Yes. Thank you, Arnold Mint, for joining the show. That, that was, was so much fun. I, I liked his, he had so much energy. He was, he's a whole vibe. He really is. I, I love his energy too. And I feel like, I just, I, I really related to that kind of like hustler energy. You know, I, I was saying to a friend recently who owns a restaurant and I said, every day I wake up and my first thought is, what am I going to do today to make money? And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, that's, that's it. And he said, I don't think that I could ever do that. And I thought your life is probably a lot more peaceful than mine. <laughs> it's a, it's like a sickness. I do that. I mean, it's not, yeah. I don't think it's a what can I do to make money, but I think it's definitely something 
like what can I do to stay busy and to be relevant and to help others and all of that, then how do you monetize that? Oh, so yours is a lot more charitable than mine. Well, I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. I just look at it and I go, what can I do to, and then can I, is there a way to monetize that somehow? Sure. Cause I don't want to do it for free, but also, you know, I feel like we're, we're in a situation where we get to have these type of conversations and there's a level of perspective that I get to have and I want to share it. I want to share it with people that maybe don't get that. And like, yeah, can I help absolutely. you with that somehow? Can I help you make more money? What can I do? I don't know. It's just a high tides raise all ships, right? A hundred percent. I think that's one of the things that like we talked about the old Nashville on this show. Like there's this core of people and it's like, we all have to support each other. Definitely. You know, like I don't, when I go out to eat, like I, I, I've shared a Bradley and I, and I know there's a whole thing about this guy, Brad Lay. I don't know who he is, but he's like, I don't ever ask my friends like, oh, you want a restaurant? Dude, hook me up. Like, don't hook him up. Pay them double. Pay them, like, leave. go leave a $100 tip at your friend's restaurant. Don't ask your friends to hook you up. They're a struggling business. They need to make money. Yeah, I, ha I have a really good friend who's a small business owner, and um, he isn't in the restaurant business Um but when we first started doing pop-ups, he would always come see us and we'd be like, oh, let me hook you up. Let me give you a sandwich. And he's like, absolutely not. I want you to charge me full price every time. Every I'm time. here to support you guys. And I was just like, wow, that is, that's a classy move. And it's also just such a, a kind, supportive move, you know? And you should do that if you go to a locally owned and operated restaurant and they right. offer you something free. Be like, no, dude, I'll pay for it. Well, I mean, I do, but I do also think that there's a part of restaurant culture too that, that is like hooking up your friends. And I think that's fine. Either way, either way, I, if, if I go eat at your restaurant, I want to pay. Unless well, it's, you unless it's you a did, massive. You did eat at my restaurant recently and you did pay, but then I sent you something else special. That was out. very kind of you. It, it's yes. my pleasure. But I also, that's, I don't know. I, that's kind of part of that culture for me. It would be weird for me to have a friend or someone else I know that works in the restaurant industry come in and not, we, we call something. it, in, we call it enhancement. That's our okay. restaurant lingo word that we use at, at Nikki's is, we enhance people. And I do the exact same yeah. thing. The idea is the you time. let them pay for the things that they order. You don't want to comp something that they're already intending to pay for, but you enhance their experience with something that they weren't expecting. There you go. I dig that. I don't know. That was a fun interview. I'd love to know your thoughts about it out there. Out there? Out there. People listening. Oh. We're actually talking to people right now. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> well, it's funny because like you, we do get in here and you just start talking. I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Well, you know, one. I think that there's a whole kind of maybe new generation or group of people who are maybe newer to Nashville. You know, I moved here 10 years ago. And so when I moved here, I, you know, knew Arnold. I knew Arnold's family. There was, you know, so much conversation around you know, international market and PM and all of his brands. He's so well known for such a long time in Nashville. And um, I love that he's reviving that international market brand um, for people who maybe are newer to Nashville that don't know him and, and the history of his family. And, and I keep saying a Nashville icon and I really mean it. He really is such an important part of the culinary history of the city. Absolutely. Uh, it was an honor to have him in studio. Absolutely. Just like throw a rock at his restaurant from here. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to go eat there sometime. Let's go get lunch. Just kind of like sneak in there and eat, eat some lunch. Um, so this is your third interview. Yeah. Second that people are hearing. Next week we're talking to Succulent Vegan Tacos. Yes. Um, what? We're on a whole vegan vibe lately. 
Ronald Cerdes and Adriana Ortega. I love those guys though. And oh my gosh, I love so their, much fun. I love their brand. Okay, so three episodes in, what are your thoughts? What Tell me you, where, where what are, are you your at? thoughts? Oh. oh, I mean, just your this is this is like you co-hosted the roundup with me. You've been on the show, but like being in studio, having people in here, what do you think? Like, the, are you having this fun? is really fun. I I really enjoy this. This is such just completely selfishly. This is such a nice outlet for me personally to do something that is not. It's it's work adjacent, but it's not yeah. what I normally do every day for work and. I'm somebody who just gets in such a zone of like, I work and I sit at home and I work and I sit at home and I don't have a lot of that in between time. You know, I, I was actually just saying to Arnold as he was leaving, uh, you know, when I'm in Nashville, I'm working constantly. And if I'm going out, it's usually when I leave town and go to another city. Um, so it's nice to have something else to do. It is. I th- you're doing a fantastic job. Thanks, I'll give you Brandon. live feedback. Okay. It's so fun for me to sit in an interview and then have you bring up a topic and be like, that's a great question. I want to know the answer to that too. Mm. And it just stimulates so many other facets versus just my perspective. Well, thanks. And I'm t- I, I, I like my perspective. Yes. I got to be okay with that. But I'm really excited. What I think that in. you're really good at keeping things on track because I have a tendency to tangent. And look for any excuse to talk about reality television. So I'm going to chill out on that. <laughs> you had a legit reality television. But I had one in today. front of me. How could in I not? In front of you. How could I not? He knows Andy Cohen. We didn't get to that, did we? <laughs> Next time. You'll find that towards the end of the episode, you're just getting into it. And you're like, can we talk for three hours today? Can we just do Truly. this? And every time you're like, can we do this again? And I'm then- like, can we stop recording and leave and go grab a cocktail and keep talking shit? Yeah. I've done that before. Not the cocktail part, <laughs> but we've gone and had lunch after this thing. Love it. Um, well, cool. Well, we're very uh, excited to bring you this episode with Arnold. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to to use some bachelor lingo, continue on this journey with you. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Are you here for the right reasons? I think I am. I think I am. <laughs> I think that's the main thing. You got to be here for the right reasons, <laughs> I think I'm right? here for the right reasons. It's not reasons. just for the Instagram followers. But what a plot twist it would be if I wasn't. <sighs> right. That would be pretty amazing. You're like, yeah. I'm here for the Instagram followers. I mean, That's maybe. what it is. I'm really not. <laughs> well, I, I have, I have so the funny least interesting Instagram. The Bachelor in Paradise. Like, it's just, it. Can we? I, I told my wife, I go, wouldn't it be better if they just showed up? Like, I want to be a celebrity. And I want you to go follow me and I'm going to do a bunch of really stupid drunken shit on television so that you will find me interesting to follow me enough. Yeah, but here's where it gets good is when they're really sincere and it's just so cringy. It's like, ooh, the people, the irony is the people who are there for the right reasons are also there for the wrong reasons because the real reason to go on the show is to get Instagram followers. But the people who are really there to find love and it goes awry is when it's cringe fest. Well, there's the dude. And I that's what I watch. I for. don't know any of their names. Like literally every time, like I'm talking to my wife at breakfast and she's like, can you believe that Johnny made out with Sarah? I'm like, who are they? Mm-hmm. Like the guy with the neck tattoo and then the girl who was naked last night. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I know you're talking about mm-hmm. like, I don't know anybody. Yeah, I don't names. really know anyone's None name None of their names. Like Claire B. I'm like, which. Is that different than another Claire? I don't know. There's more than one Claire. Like I'm zoned out. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of a background thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like playing on my phone while sure. it's on, but I'm 
I don't remember names, mm-hmm. but but there's a guy. Well, there's it, also 450 people oh, on the show. Well, there's a guy on this year, and I don't know what happens. I'm only in episode two or three. I don't know, but he's got a beard, and he's got a child, and his wife passed away. Oh, yeah. Do you know his name? Matt? Is it Matt or something? I couldn't like tell his, you his name. Yeah, I mean, either. I know exactly who you're talking but about. But he's like super chill and like they go through the whole intros of the people and it's like i'm here to get fucked up and party and i'm and i'm gonna find love and this guy's like you know i've just been some real time soul searching and my daughter told me that i really need to be here and you're like don't think he's i don't think he is ready for a relationship i don't i don't know but he seems like he's there to find you think he's there for the right reasons i don't know is that what you're saying? I think he's the most well-adjusted okay. person there who's looked at, done some introspective work mm. and has worked through grief. But, well, reality television is no place for well-adjusted people. That's what I'm saying. Like, he sticks out like a sore right. thumb. And he's, like, 40. Right. And so I thought my favorite line is he's all these girls walking. He's like, I kind of feel creepy. I don't know what he said, but he was like, I feel like the old guy here. And I'm like, well, you are. Yeah. These are like 23-year-old women. No, but women. I think he's like 34, 35. 38. He's at least 38. Are you sure? I think he's 38. That's like elderly for Bachelor. Yeah. Okay. So this has now turned into Nashville reality radio. We've got to. Well, we'll get it. <laughs> There's people out there right now this who, is, who've this either This is what I'm bringing off. to the podcast. It's fine. I love real. This is a thing. I don't have anybody to talk to it about. We need to. We need to just like do a sidebar podcast. Get it all out of our system. Brandon and Caroline talk about reality television, and then from that point we can move forward. With I thought that's what radio. the recap after the show was. <laughs> is for us to talk about reality shows. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. I thought that's what after the show. If you wanted to hear Arnold, you're out right now. You've heard Arnold. Now you've tuned in you've to dipped out. Nashville you, Bachelor in Paradise. If you want to know what's going on radio. with you and I on a regular, like, what are you doing in your life? What am I doing in well, my see, life? And I love that the answer to what are we doing in our lives is Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> But you know what? It's so important sometimes because I live Bachelor in Paradise in restaurants. I mean, I'm not like, but like there's drama of reality life in okay. a restaurant is like a reality show. Mm. Every day I have no idea what's going to happen when I walk into work. I don't know who's fucking who. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not involved in that. But somehow when I get there, somebody goes, did you hear this last night? And I go, no, what happened here? What happened there? And people tell you and you're like, oh, I really, really go out of my way to stay out of that. I do, like, I, I don't do usually too. know what's going on with anybody. I don't know the gossip. I'm the I don't last know. one to find out. Yeah. And I'm like, how did this happen? Like, I don't understand. But watching it on television, I'm not in it. Right. I don't. It's not part of something that I'm working on every day. Sure. And I'm working. That has nothing to do with me and nothing I want to be a part of. But watching that on television is kind of an escape. Oh, definitely. It's a brain. My brain gets to turn off. Definitely. I always fall asleep. Because I stop thinking about all the... the Arnold said, I try and sleep for eight hours or I try and hang for eight hours. But my brain, I'm thinking about next week and the next week. like that. My brain does the exact same thing. Watching reality television... Turns you off. Turns that off. And I'm able to just like zone out for a minute. So I might not retain everybody's names. I get to kind of watch it and it's dumb. Definitely. But it's kind of, you know, I think a lot of people do that. Definitely. And that's why the the recap at the end of the show is where people are like, I want to know what's happening in Hell's Kitchen. I want to know what's going on with this. What's <laughs> Bachelor going on with that? in Paradise. Let's talk about Bachelor in Paradise. And if you're sure. not watching Bachelor in Paradise, I started, wa- you know why I started watching Bachelor? Why? It's because Howard Stern. Oh, talked, yeah. He talked about the Bachelor and Bachelorette all the time on his show. And he's like, listen to this shit. Listen. And he would talk about it. And I was yeah. like, 
if Howard is talking about The Bachelor, it's got to be good. And he sure. and he said, you know, there's no time that Beth is more attracted to me than watching The Bachelorette. Yeah. That's his wife, Beth. He goes, because we're sitting in bed, and we're watching this attractive girl, and there's 25 douchebags who are all roided up, and they're all alcoholic idiots. Who the fuck gets 30, you know, who, who gets to take off 10 weeks out of work to go do The Bachelor? Like, right. what do you people do for a living? Like, what is this? They How, don't. If I went to work and I go, hey, I'm going to be out for 10 weeks to go be on The Bachelor, you'd be like... Well, you can re-interview for your job when you get back, I guess. But like, how do you be an attorney and just do that? Or sure. I don't like you. I can't just take ten weeks off to go do that. No. So and then he goes, you know, when the thing's over, my wife is like, you know what? I'm so happy that I have you. Sure. Because I don't want to be in that scenario. Oh God. And I thought, no. well, that's an interesting perspective. So then I started watching it. I got my wife to start watching it just so that I could know what Howard was talking about. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I, I learned what he was talking about, and I enjoyed hearing his recaps. And then uh, the Jordan guy, Jordan Rogers, who's uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother, okay, was on The Bachelor. Okay. And he's actually a local Nashville restaurant he went person. To, he went to Vanderbilt. You know, he's a co-owner of Red Bicycle. I did not know that. Yes. So Maybe we'll have him on the show. There's a local show that ca- talked to him. So I was watching. I was like, hey, I know what's going on in pop culture. I feel informed. So wait, he was The Bachelor? He was... The, he was um, a contestant on the bachelorette Can we get him on the show and just be like hey this is restaurant radio but well, we also talk about the bachelor we might be able to he, he's with jojo jojo That's before was, i started watching jojo was the bachelorette got it he won the season and is she JoJo. the same person as jojo the singer no different okay, person got it whole different person got it jojo the singer was just on hell's kitchen though yes she was okay different person hey, than you know jojo what? the bachelorette full circle that's, that's what we do on Nashville Restaurant <laughs> Radio. We close the loop, Caroline. It's Caroline, right? You're asking me that now? Well, I had to, somebody that it was like, nice to meet you, Caroline. And I'm like, Brandon. Do people call you Caroline? People do call me Caroline, but that's not my name. But your name is Caroline. My name is Caroline. You pronounce the final line. Correct. It's but I don't. It's I don't. L-I-N-E. It's funny. I don't care enough to correct anyone, but I am also somebody who takes name pronunciations very seriously because I feel like people don't, and I think it's disrespectful. Me too. I don't take it personally. If you accidentally call me Carolyn or you call me Nikki, which people call me Nikki all the time, I genuinely do not care. But when it comes to me meeting people and learning their names, you know, that is very, very important to me. But I wanted people to know... That you're Caroline. I am Caroline. That, that you get that. Right. I know your name is Caroline. I'm not asking you that. But for our listeners, if you ever meet Caroline, her name is Caroline, not it Carolyn is. or Nikki. And I would love to say hi. Yeah. Say hi to me. 100%. If you're in the restaurant, go say hi to her. Um, I have two kids, Matthew and William, and I'm very intentional. That's Matthew and William, not Matt and Will. Okay. And so... Christopher, who's our who's our he's our CTO now for our company. He's Stephen's brother. His name is Christopher, and I don't I can't tell you probably a hundred times I've walked into a meeting with him and have said, "My name's Brandon. This is our uh, chef, Christopher." And they go, "Oh, it's nice to meet you, Chris." And I go, "Yeah, I didn't say that his name mm. was Chris. I said his name is Christopher." And is he annoyed by the shortening? Never. No. He's the nicest okay. guy you'll ever meet. But when you intentionally tell somebody, "My name is Christopher." And the first time you meet them, they go, oh, nice to meet you, Chris. It's like, mm. that's not his name. Sure. I just said his name is Christopher. So it's just, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I don't, I'm crazy. <laughs> that's the gist of that story was that I'm a nutball. <laughs> okay. And that's what I do. But okay. I stand up for people's names, and I yeah. want to stand up for your name. Well, thanks. Thanks, Brandon. Caroline. Thanks, Bran. 
<laughs> yes. Thanks, B. Thanks, B. All right. I, I go by B. B is a good one. We spent 20 minutes talking. Just now? Just now. Oh, That was brother. 20 minutes. And I really have to go. Everybody's tuned out. That's all right. I got to go, too. Thank you for listening. Thank um, you. This is fun. We're going to have so much more of this. Caroline. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks, I'm excited Brandon. to do more of these. Next week, catch up with Adriana and Ronald from Succulent Vegan Tacos. We're going more into the vegan world. Yes. Exciting times. Hope you guys are being safe out there. I love you guys. I forgot what I was <laughs> going to say to sign off. I'm just going to say everybody have a great week. There you go. Then and you thanks for listening. Yeah. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.